0: And we are live for episode three, the MCW cast. I am Legacy MC of Maryland Championship Wrestling, Larry Legend. I'm Dan McDevitt, co-owner of MCW Pro Wrestling. And I'm Tara. And we've got a very special guest in the house with us here, another Legacy MCW member, Mr. Kevin Echt.
1: I'm very happy to be here, guys. And girl.
0: (laughs) Thank you.
2: (laughs) We're glad to have you.
0: Yes, indeed we are. And hey, you know they say three is a magic number. We are Rick roaring through this brand new endeavor here at Maryland, or MCW Pro, and uh, I I think that things are going swimmingly. We've been getting so much great feedback from the fans, and we just want to say we appreciate everyone who tunes in every Tuesday at 8 across YouTube, Twitch, and our Facebook. And, guys, don't forget the hashtag, AskMCWCast.
2: Yep, just send out a tweet, hashtag
0: AskMCWCast, and we'll be happy to answer your questions. That's right. You know, and I don't think we actually mentioned, well, we probably have mentioned it, but not. we haven't mentioned it enough, our official Twitter handle uh, where you can ask MCWCast. It's at MCWCast2021. So follow us on Twitter at MCWCast2021. 2020, we always put out media of our guests and, uh, you know, some behind the scenes footage. So definitely follow us on Twitter at MCWCast2021.
2: A lot of things to touch on, guys, from last week. What about the, the, uh, the show uh, with John Minidakis from Jimmy St. Seafood? I don't know if you guys saw this past week. Um, they they breached their uh, $350,000. They passed $350,000 on the fund to help out Baltimore restaurants. Just, I mean, unbelievable.
3: Yep.
4: Yeah. They've actually adjusted the goal now to $500,000, and they are well on their way to meeting that, and I would expect them to do that here in the next week or so probably with the way things have been going.
2: Yeah, big shout out. I don't know if you. I, I've been following and watching John, um, all the restaurants uh, that he's helping out. It's uh, just amazing. But
4: um, What would be great, too, is, you know, he's getting a lot of media coverage for this now. And it's, it's not just local anymore. It's national. Yeah. And what would be great is to see this happening in cities that are hit so hard by this pandemic all across the country. So, you know, I, I think that that. He's starting a movement. Maybe he didn't intend to start a a movement when he embarked on this, just helping out some local establishments that have been hit hard. But now, you know, can we see this as a pay-it-forward thing? And, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping we see it trickling down across the country.
0: Well, you know, it it, it says, well, there's an old saying, each one to teach one. And, uh, you know, a huge shout-out to all of Baltimore that, uh, you know, contributed to such a a worthy cause. We've got a cause going on right here at the Cast. It's called Buy Me a Coffee, all right? And, uh, as always... We're very proud of Johnny and Jimmy's meeting, that goal to help out the Baltimore uh, restaurants. But we also want to give a huge shout-out to all of our, our fans out there that bought us a cup of coffee and are keeping us nice and warm here right in
2: the studio. Well, especially in this weather. Yes, oh,
3: yeah.
4: definitely. That's right. So special shout-out thanks to Daryl, Dr. D, and thanks for the uh, contribution. I Mo love the doctor. And, yeah, Mo and Lisa, <laughs> longtime fans, thank you for your support. Dan Garrett sent a toast for the Bruiser. Thanks for that, Dan. Right on. Our very own Danny Mays. Sent a couple of cups of coffee our way.
0: MCW ring announcer in 30 days. Goes. That's like right. Another
3: legacy MCW. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
4: <laughs> uh, even our own Ken Dixon threw some coffees our way. I know he's probably popping open a cold one, uh, and he said so much in his comment, but we appreciate the uh, the coffee for us. And uh, last one to shout out is, uh, I only have their handle name, it's Sat. Buno, Sad Buno. Okay, okay. I'll take it. So, but thank you. We appreciate it nonetheless. We're enjoying the coffee, so thank you so much for supporting us.
0: Absolutely,
4: uh, and you know there was some, a lot of support going around. I feel like support is the the idea
0: right now in in the country. Uh, just this past weekend, our first guest, Leo Rush, had an exciting match to kick off a 24 hour telethon by the folks over at GCW called Fight Forever. And uh, we all want to extend Leo a congratulations because he defeated his opposition, Blake Christian, all heart. And uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic match. I want to shout out, it was the best two out of three falls match. Leo, since coming back to the Indies, had already uh, accumulated quite a few losses. And I remember I spoke to him and he was like, you know, Larry, I love these matches. I love getting my name back out there, but everyone's beating me. Joey Janela beat me. ACH beat me. You know, he's talking about all these uh, losses. And Blake Christian was one of the competitors that beat him. Two times now. So it was a best two out of three falls match, and Leo got his wins back, essentially, and he beat Blake Christian. Two straight falls. Guys, the last fall, Leo put Blake in the bruise mission. And uh he was he was portraying his character, the blackheart, Leo Rush, which is right. kind of like an undertaker mm-hmm. kind of take on, you know, what he has to offer. And uh it was uh, it was one of those moments where You see the image of him. He had this great makeup on. He had these black contacts in. And he's in a casket. And he's giving the bruise mission to his opponent. And I knew what that was. I knew that was kind of his way. And I'm actually getting a little misty eye right now of saying goodbye to his trainer. Uh, It was so powerful. And um, it was a great match. They don't have the replay back up. Because I think it was one of those things where they wanted you to watch live. Mm -hmm. um, But it was a great match. And the big news out of this whole thing... Those folks raised $53,000 on their Indiegogo. All wow. of the funds going to the wrestlers, the crew that helped do this endeavor for 24 hours. And uh, Leo kicked it off. So call him the $53,000 man, if you ask <laughs> me, uh, to set the tone for that event
2: this weekend. Yeah, look, as, as a as a pro wrestling promoter of 25-plus of years, hats off to GCW. Heck, yeah. I mean, um, you know, putting that together. And uh, yeah, I give them props, you know, to putting that together. And... Given the opportunity for all the all the performers, not just like you said, not just the wrestlers, but people helping backstage and production and everybody that helped to get a payday and make some money doing something that they love, um, you know. It was, that's oh, awesome to hear that yeah money fifty three thousand dollars amazing right. yeah amazing. leo's gonna get to see a little
0: bit of that and all of the competitors and the crew that uh took a part in that are gonna get to see a, a bit of it who knows maybe we can raise fifty three thousand dollars and buy me a coffee
2: yeah. right yeah. <laughs> they need that people need to start buying coffee yeah indeed so, well and and give a shout out to that the GC does is that up on
0: YouTube now so, can they go and watch it so they that's the thing uh if you watched it live you saw it and I think that was kind of the appeal of it to keep people watching and donating. Because now it's since it ended last night at around eight forty-five, it's down. It's down. If you go to the link, it says you know this stream, this live stream is not you know available. They did have some kinks during this the stream. A lot of audio dropping out, sometimes picture gone. So they're probably editing that up. But uh, yeah, was
2: it. Streamed on fight. It was streamed. It was streamed for so free they, on fight. They, yes. they might be able to might. go back. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. And I, I watched fight. it
0: on YouTube. I thought the chat right. was a little bit more. Fun. With Fight being F-I-T-E. Yes, mm-hmm. F-I-T-E Fight.tv, and um, yeah. yeah, it might be up there. Okay. But real quick, we went over a lot of topics. We got Kevin Eck in the house. Uh, let's pause real quick, guys, for a little, break, sta- little, little so, station yeah, identification. come back and talk to Kevin Eck. Indeed. All
2: right.
5: We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the MCW Cast. At MCW Pro Wrestling, much like many small businesses throughout the country, the pandemic has presented many challenges. For a company like ours that hosts events with live audiences, the impact has been even more severe and all of our forms of revenue have been cut off. In order to continue to engage with our fans on a regular basis, we made the decision to begin to produce the MCW cast and are providing it for absolutely no cost on Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, and SoundCloud. If you'd like to support us during these challenging times, you can do so in several ways. The most popular way is to buy us a coffee to help fuel the cast. Just go to buymeacoffee.com Backslash MCW cast, and for just three dollars, you can buy the cast a coffee, or you can choose to become a member of the cast for just five dollars a month and receive several special perks. That's buymeacoffee.com backslash MCW cast. You can also contribute directly on cash app MCW wrestling or on Venmo MCW wrestling. You can also show your support for the MCW cast while sporting some great gear by going to teespring.com backslash stores backslash mcwcast to pick up a full line of official mcwcast merchandise from coffee mugs and face coverings to t-shirts and sweatshirts also don't forget to comment in the threads on facebook youtube and twitch to get your questions answered on a future episode and you can also send us a tweet using the hashtag #AskMCWcast. thank you for your support and now back to the show
4: all right, we are back here at the MCW cast. We are joined with our special guest, Kevin Eck. Kevin, let's uh, take our fans back and uh, hear a little bit about your early days in the business, but uh, even before that, your days as a wrestling fan and what led you to this business.
1: Okay, so I became a fan at a very young age, six years old. Uh, my parents were not wrestling fans, so I still to this day don't know how it happened, but somehow it ended up on my on my TV screen. And at six years old, I saw it, Channel 45 at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and immediately fell in love with it. And then, at uh, like two matches in, they would go to a local interview with Vince McMahon saying, coming to the Baltimore Civic Center, and it was December 26th, 1973, that they were, WWF was coming to town. So I said, we got to go to this. And I begged my parents to take me. And basically, they took me to that first show. And I was hooked. And that led to WWF. WWF was uh, monthly at that time in Baltimore. So every month I was there at the Baltimore Civic Center seeing Bruno San Martino and Killer Kowalski and you know, the Valiant Brothers, and Gorilla Monsoon. You know, I could go on and on with all these people. Um, and, th- and that's really the start of it. I was obsessed with it from that
2: point on. I think that's like most of us probably have that same story. But um like early days, you're definitely someone that I've known you for 25 years. Um, probably started as like I met you, and then we became acquaintances, and and gradually have grown into where you know I, I can you know I think we're pretty good friends. Absolutely. Um, you know, we become over the years, but like when when I was getting this interview together with you, uh, kind of trying to, to touch um, touch base on some bullet points, I was trying to uh, trying to remember. How exactly we met, and I feel like me and you were connected through Axel because I was I started training with Axel in the early 90s, right out of high school 91, 92. And I feel like, um, I just like I feel like I maybe I met you like we got connected through Axel, correct? and not that kind of how we got to know each other? That is correct.
1: And I think, were you part of the Kwaisi and Fume show? Yes. That we, I, yes, I appeared on that, okay. But, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 It was Axel and me and you and um, I can't, there were some other people on it as well. I can't remember who else was on it.
2: Uh, I, yeah. I remember
0: too, that too,
2: I remember listen, that. That's funny that you bring that up. Too dope besides Sideswipe. That's yeah. right. So, so during the, um, during the, uh, the Bruiser show, when we, um, when we were film, when we were putting the show together, the Bruiser tribute show, it's so funny that you bring that up. Um, I specifically wanted, to Open Side Swipe to do a segment on the show, a backstage interview, because of that show. Um, because I knew, keep in mind, at the time we were filming this, RJ hadn't passed. He was we we were leading up to that show, and he we he was going to be able to watch it. and We were putting the show together, and so on that show, what happened was there was a point where. Um, like Axel and I and you on the show, I totally forgot about that. But um everybody was answering all these questions about professional wrestling being a business and very elegantly and um and then they say something about he asked the host he asked about um getting hurt in the ring and Sideswipe just interjects and cuts everybody off and says Yeah Sometimes I get hurt so bad, I just drive home like this, (laughs) right? And And everybody turned and looked and was like, what, you know, on stage, and for years that was something that me and Axel and Tudope and Sideswipe, even Sideswipe was like, I don't know why I said that like <laughs> I just didn't know what to say. Like they asked they at, like they they asked him a question and he was like he was like I just froze. I just said it. It was just so ridiculous. That sounds of,
0: like Sideswipe.
2: Side-twipe, <laughs> right? so but RJ and me and Axel and Earl the Pearl and Shamrock like that was such we would cry laughing years later. So specifically that backstage segment that we had filmed mm-hmm. was it was done for an audience of one. It was done for RJ, right? Yeah, so that he could see it when we put it in the show. Because I knew no matter no matter what he, I knew he would laugh. It yeah. was just something that we laughed at well, for you, but interesting. Dan, I
4: knew it was important to you that he see it, so he did see it.
2: Did he laugh? He did. He, he did. did. Well. He, he, is much right. has, he
4: definitely, I, I showed it to him early it. in that day. Yeah, he did. He definitely made a, a, yeah. a recognition of it. He absolutely that's did. That's interesting. That's
2: exactly, now that you bring that up. But yeah, exactly. I think it was
1: because of Axel and I getting to know each other. That's how I ended up on that show with you guys. But yeah, we were doing a radio show uh, back in the day. Right. We were doing a once a week wrestling show. Um, and it was Axel and I co-hosting it. And so that's how we really got to
2: know each other yeah yeah i knew it was that i just i couldn't put two and two together and i'm like i know it's been 25 years but how was it that you know but yeah you're right yeah i'm glad you
0: took me back down memory lane to remind you about the kwaesi and fume show i remember also that episode i remember i don't know if um wwf was running opposite it on uh wbff or wcw and wnuv these are local stations in the baltimore area but Something about it, I wasn't staying on that. But I definitely remember flipping and being like, oh, they got wrestlers on Kwesi and Fume's show. But <laughs> yeah. this is <isn't> <laughs> a Hacksaw. We did a match. In
1: I, they did a, yeah,
2: yeah, we did a match. They did Yeah, they did do a match. And I, they had Axel and I, I think, doing the commentary for it. I, and, and props to him. Is he's a senator now. Yeah, um, yeah. He was so respectful. A lot of people we go on. He was a political guy. He was a political guy then. Um, he was so respectful to us and treated us so well. Didn't look down on us. Was very interested in learning about the business, mm-hmm. and was in no way just derogatory. And you get that a lot from people, you know, that they just tend to look down. But I always really appreciated and respected that about him. Um, he treated us. He treated us so respectfully and with such respect.
0: Kind of like how we brought up the passing of Larry King, mm-hmm. and how yep. Larry King would always, mm-hmm. as a journalist, yeah. like not really be. You know, bringing these guys out to laugh them or mock mm-hmm. our culture, but actually right. to learn his curiosity about right. what is this? Who are these folks that do this, and what motivates them? So right. yeah, yeah, right.
1: I'll never forget just going off of that. The Bill Maher show back, not his current one, but the one he used to do, Politically Incorrect. He had WCW people on. I don't know if you've ever seen this clip. I haven't. He was not very respectful. He had Roddy Piper. I could le- believe it. He had Roddy Piper, <laughs> yeah. Medusa, Sting. I can't remember who else, and. You know, this was in the height of the Monday Night Wars, Mm -hmm. and the business had become more open, and everybody knew what was going on backstage and all that. And so Bill Maher, the way he phrased the question was, he said, so everybody's in on the joke now, right? Well, Roddy did not appreciate the word joke being used. Mm -hmm. Roddy immediately stood up, undid his pants, pulled them down a little bit, and showed where he had a scar because he had had his hip replaced. So immediately that set the tone for wow. that interview. And I'll just never, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, was, that speaks to what you're saying about how not everyone outside the business was respectful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he did, like I said, Roddy, the word joke was not something that he was uh, happy to hear.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, Kevin, speaking of Kwesi and Puma and the origins of how you and Dan met, I remember I first used to see your name in print in the Baltimore Sun. And I remembered when I would be arguing with my friends in school, and, you know, going to school, is, it's fake. They're not really... <laughs> why isn't it in the paper? Right. There would be times where I would see you reference wrestling, whatever it was, coming to the Baltimore arena, Nitro or Raw, and I would be like, you see, that's how you know it's real. Because they, they, <laughs> they don't give it all the coverage, but sometimes someone's writing about it. So can you tell me about how in the Baltimore Sun, I, as a youth growing up trying to get involved and thinking maybe this might be my future... How I, I, I saw you kind of associated with wrestling through the, through the paper. Sure. So I started
1: in the journalism business really young. Like I happened to know someone who knew someone who got me into the old News American. I don't know if you guys remember the News American. <laughs> it, went, it went belly up in 1986. So I started when I was in high school still as wow. just an unpaid gopher. Do Paying your dues, bro. Pay yeah, my dues. That's, that's why I'm here at the table. Right. You know? yeah. That's what I started answering phones, uh, taking high school scores over the phone like by hand. We actually took them by hand. Uh, going across the street to the to the Inner Harbor to do food runs for the sports writers and the copy editors. That's how I got in. So I ended up after that at the Baltimore Sun. I started there in '87, I think, and I was just again as a as a clerk, an editorial assistant, is what we mm-hmm. call them, you know, entry level position. But the thing is, is you could you could write some. If you if you showed an aptitude for it, they would give you opportunities to do some writing. Mostly high school stuff, but you could do whatever. I would always push to get pro wrestling in, in the paper. And they were very, the people in charge back then were very, very stuffy in how they looked at wrestling. It's it's not a sport, mm-hmm. it will not appear in our sports section. Okay, and that's the way it was for the longest time. Now yeah. eventually, if I could somehow tie it to sports, they would say, okay. So the first story I ever did, Randy Macho Man Savage, you probably all know, played some minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. I think it was SummerSlam, it was either, I think it, no, it was King of the Ring, was coming to Baltimore in 1994. I
0: remember this, I <laughs> I know where you're, I remember this, this is one of the times, yeah. Okay.
1: So and Randy Savage was coming to town to do a publicity, you know, to talk to the media. He was he was actually doing a signing at a supermarket somewhere.
0: Out on Route Forty. Yes. It was it was it was the Super Fresh on Route Forty. That's I correct. remember all that's of that. Right. Like seriously. Thank yeah. God you're filling wow. in the blanks. Oh yeah, Thank I remember it because, like I said, wrestling. I was always that kid in school that was like. It's real, guys. La, 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 la. I don't want to hear what you're saying. And these were, these were to me, like, I remember, see, it's in right. the, you know, but continue. I'm sorry. These no. were your
2: moments of
1: validation. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I pitched the story of, hey, Randy Savage is coming to town. I can interview with him. And we'll we'll base it off of, of course, we'll mention that he's coming to town for King of the Ring and we'll promote mm-hmm. it and all that. But, you know, we'll talk about how he used to play minor league baseball. And so I got the, the thumbs up on that one. So that was the first pro wrestling story that I had ever written for The Sun. This was 1994. Absolutely, yep. And then, from there, and that that's a story in itself. I mean, just interviewing Randy Savage in the back of a Superfresh, like it was- So you
0: did the interview at that Superfresh that he was appearing in?
1: Yes. Went down wow. to the Superfresh, and there was a WWE PR person there. They took me and Randy into the back, like in the storage area in the back of the Superfresh. And that's where <laughs> I did the interview. Unbelievable. So yeah, that was, wow. that was my first one. Wow. And then after that, it was just like whenever, um, you know, luckily, the, the Monday Night Wars really started mm-hmm. not too long. And, you know, like uh, they were getting good houses, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, people started to notice. This is actually yeah, kind of ratings. same Ratings. People started, oh, people at the paper started to notice, like, this is popular. Right. But I still had, I was going up against these stuff. And I love all these people that I work with at the Sun. But they were stuffy. You know, it's yeah. like wrestling mm-hmm. can't be in the paper. Unless it can be somehow with sports. So another thing I pitched was Lawrence Taylor doing WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it was, in, uh, it was in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. I said, how about if I do a story on that? Because, you know, he's LT. He's LT, yeah. So on my own dime, because they weren't going to pay for it, I booked, you know, took a train to, uh, to uh, Hartford, Connecticut and got press credentials and all that mm-hmm. and, and covered that for the paper. So then, again, but still they wouldn't be like, yeah, we want you to do this right on a regular basis. But the entertainment section, they noticed, wow, this stuff is really popular. Mm-hmm. So then anytime WWF or WCW came to town, I got hooked up with an
0: interview to promote the show. I remember one time the arts and entertainment section had Savage on the front. That may have been the King of the Ring or, that was a different one. It was, but the, the, it was an insert. You could pull it out yes. of the paper like you could pull the funnies out of the paper. And one time, Savage was on the front of it That's in right. all its glory. And I was like, this is another. See, here it is. Wrestling's real. I think by then I maybe was a little bit closer. <laughs> thinking, you know, there was something up. I mean, it was on the arts and entertainment section of the paper. But <laughs> and not the sports yeah. <laughs> So, so here's, here's the really funny
1: part to it is by the time, I'm say it's maybe 2007. 2000, yeah, probably 2007. Blogs become a big thing, and the Baltimore Sun dips their toe into the blog world. And, uh, basically, if you have, they basically said, you know, if you have expertise on any subject, like, you know, we want you to write a blog. I never thought about it, right? So they approached me and said, how about doing a pro wrestling blog? And this was actually going to be in the sports section. Now. Not not in the paper, but but on the sports section of the website. Because it all became about getting clicks and getting views. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this stuff's pretty popular. We want those clicks for us, not the entertainment side. You know, all of a sudden, once the newspaper industry starts dying, then all those old, uh, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that, they kind of fall by the Mm -hmm, wayside. mm -hmm. We're going to do whatever we got to do to survive. So I said, oh, how much extra do I get paid to do this? Like, oh, no, no, it's not extra. This is just... (laughs) In addition to your you know regular 40 hour week job, you'll do this blog. And I said, No, I will not do this blog. Like, you know, you learn you don't work for free. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, right? So I said, No, I'm not going to do it. So there's another person who was a fan, who was a copy editor at The Sun. And he said, he got wind of, you know, they were considering doing the wrestling blog. And he, he's like, well, you know, maybe I'll do it. I said, no, no. If anybody's going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> right, right, right. Like I'm not going to let somebody else do it. Right, so right. swallowed my pride and 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 said, okay, I'm going to do this wrestling blog again for no extra pay. Um, and I became obsessed with it. Like if you're going to do something, you got to do it to the best of your ability. And you know, I'm I'm not ultra competitive, but I guess I'm a little bit mm-hmm. because we would get the traffic reports every week of how this is doing. I, I was like, you know, since this is extra and I'm not getting paid, maybe I'll write twice a week. But then I noticed the num- that we would start seeing the numbers for all the blogs, sports, entertainment, mm-hmm. news. And my blog, which I called Ring Posts, was always up there in mm-hmm. the top four or five or whatever. And I was like, that's with me not even trying. So then I became obsessed. And I was writing like every day of the week, sometimes two, three times a day mm-hmm. if there was news. And it got to the point where it was the number two blog most of the time. On the whole Baltimore Sun website, only the Ravens would get more clicks. So, and look, it ultimately did. You know, even though I felt like a little bit like a sucker for doing this for no extra pay, mm-hmm. I fully believe I would not have gotten my job as a WW writer had it not been for that blog. Wow, that's
3: wow.
0: that's uh that's great. That's gonna lead us right to our. our uh our next portion is I then we we start, you
2: started that a, yeah
0: with WCW right you went to yeah. w, WCW magazine and
2: that
3: was when when did you yeah get so WCW?
1: right I
2: had been at the Sun for like fourteen years
1: and um you know I thought I would you know, I'm a Baltimore guy you right. know and I'm provincial as a lot of us are I'm like I'm gonna work at the Sun till I retire and I'm gonna live in Baltimore for the rest of my life so my wife who at the time was my fiance this is like nineteen ninety. Nine, I believe. When I
0: graduated high school.
3: <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> just, just to date myself out there, everyone that's listening. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot.
0: Sorry. <laughs> so she
1: wanted to go on a cruise. Let's go on a cruise. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not. I had been on a cruise once before. It's not that big a deal to me. But then I saw that WCW was doing the Bruise Cruise. So I said, well, how about we do the
2: Bruise cru-? And, and look, my wife's not a wrestling fan. <laughs> right, right, right. This is just how every wrestling fan thinks because I would have done the same thing. (laughs) Like, I would have believed me. Oh, you want to go on
0: a cruise? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Let me sweeten the pot for myself here. Exactly. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, would be in New Orleans. Hey, have
2: you ever thought about going to New Orleans? Yeah. I did a whole vacation like that in 2017. That's exactly what wrestling fans think. I think everybody watching this, everybody at this table, we all get it.
3: Uh, Yes. So...
1: So okay, so she's like, yeah, uh, let's do the let's do the Bruce cruise. So you, we do the cruise, and I don't know if you guys have ever been on a cruise before, but they give you seating assignments for dinner. Like you you, you mm-hmm. sit with people. You don't get to pick it. You just so since it was a WCW cruise, there were a lot of WCW employees there, and I got seated at a table with a woman who worked in marketing. And you know, you strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a writer. Work for the Baltimore Sun. Blah blah blah. She's like, oh well, um, you know, WCW Magazine. We're actually like retooling it. It's like they had outsourced it at that point. She's like, we're bringing it in house, mm-hmm. and I know they're probably, you know, looking for some writers, you know, freelance writers, whatever. I was like, oh, this is great, freelance. That's perfect, you know. Like I'll, all I'm thinking is I'll get to write maybe, you know, once a month for you know, make a little extra cash, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so she puts me in touch with the publisher, and. His name is Ken Laker. And so once we you know, get back on land and everything and the magazine's getting ready to get... Actually, I think it had just started. I think they just put out their first issue. And um, he said, well, go send me your resume. And I, Okay. So I did that. He came from newspapers himself. So he loved... He was not a real wrestling guy. He was more of a journalist and newspaper guy. Mm-hmm. He loved the fact that I worked for a you know, legitimate newspaper and... And he, like, he didn't want to just hire some really, you know, wrestling, right. You know, he's like, this is great. He's like, you know, all this stuff about wrestling and like, you've been in the journalism business for 14 years. Like, this is good. He goes, however, right now, um, we don't really have a freelance budget. So he's like, but I'm, de- you know, keep, as soon as we do, like, I'll keep you in mind. So I didn't hear anything for a little bit. I would check in with him every once in a while, just mm-hmm. to, you know, keep touch, anything. No, not yet, but, I'll, you know, okay. Then out of the blue, I get a call from him, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! Like, I'm, now I get to, you know, do my freelance gig." Well, he was unhappy with the previous editor, the, the, the editor that he had at that point. He wasn't happy with him, so he calls not to offer me a freelance writing position. He's like, "How would you like to be the editor of WCW Magazine?" I was like, "Wow, editor! I'm like, can I do that from from Baltimore?" No, no, you no. Know, you would have to move down to. To Atlanta. Wow, 14 years in at the Baltimore Sun. Never left Baltimore in my life. Like, this is where I'm gonna die. I was like, wow, let me think about that. And so, you know, long story short is, you know, talk to my uh, fiance, now my wife. Like, we were, this was early in 2000, we were getting married at the end of 2000. Mm So we're like, wow, you know, this is a big decision. She's all, like, she's a Baltimore girl, too, but she was not tied. She's like, no, let's. this will be like an adventure. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, let's yeah. go live in Atlanta. And so I did. I left the sun at that point and uh, went down to WCW to be the editor of the magazine. Now, this was March of 2000 that I started.
0: Oh, this is very close to when uh, yeah, when, you, when, when they bought. Right. right. Yeah. A year later, right?
1: Eh? And so at the time, if you guys remember, in March of 2000, The Monday Night Wars, for all intents and purposes, were over. over. WWE was killing WCW every Monday night. Mm -hmm. And I was very aware of what the situation was, but I still believed in my head or I talked myself into it. I'm like, this business is cyclical. And, you know, for 83 weeks before that, WCW was kicking their ass. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they can turn this around. You know, so like, and, and plus WCW came from the NWA, which if you shake the lineage back to the original like this companies, you could really say has been right. around for like 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. they're not going. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. So I took the job. And literally, I'd been there for about a month when we started hearing the rumors of it's going to get bought. It's going to fold. It's kind of like, oh, great. here, I, You know, right. mm-hmm. I've just picked up everything and moved to Atlanta. And it was one year, almost like one year to the day
2: that until we got bought. So wow. That is amazing. And, and you found out. I guess, so so you were, that's interesting, you were working there um, at that time. Did you, did you just, was it like everybody just found out, like when WWE, when they were going on the air announcing it, or did you? No, realize? we knew, we had heard all kind of rumors,
1: and um, if you'll remember, Eric Bischoff had put together a group. Um, I remember that. That's, called, right. Yeah. that's right.
2: That's right, because he had left, and he had yeah. been, that's right. It took okay. some time off to get Took right, some time off.
1: Right. So he had put together a group. He worked with this company called Fusion, which was a media company. And it was announced that they were buying the company. They were buying WCW. And so they actually started. Bischoff came back into the office, and they were were doing their due diligence. And Now, we at the magazine were a little worried, even though, okay, it looked like the company was going to survive. We had heard all kinds of things about Bischoff was going to really streamline things down. And so we're like, there's probably not going to be a magazine, or he'll Mm -hmm. do it on
0: on the the internet.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. So, so we thought, okay, well, this is great because I going to survive and we probably won't. right So then that thing fell through, it didn't happen. So then the big rumor became WWE. like it was just out there. WWE was going was to buy it. and we were pretty sure at that point that it was going to happen and that we probably weren't going to be retained. Mm-hmm. So I was there in uh, Florida that night with <laughs> the, the famous Nitro. How were you? I was there. Yeah, like like we knew that that was the end. We knew Shane. Mc- you know, we knew the angle was going to happen with Shane McMahon. And so all. you knew that was coming, Shane McMahon, and all. Yeah, we all knew that they were there that day, and basically they took over. Like, I was, oh yeah,
0: I re- I've heard this yeah. a lot. Yeah,
1: Shane and Bruce Prichard and they all those guys. In and they just took over. They walked in and they said, "This is our show now," and so they took charge. And we knew that that's you know, okay. That's probably going to be the end. So, and that was the last episode. Right? That was the, that last, was episode. the last episode. Mm-hmm. Do you so remember what
0: the last match was? Sting and Flair. You got it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Flair had to wear a t-shirt. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was sad. That's it was sad. so
0: sad. Yeah. They hugged at the end, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, I love WWE, but this is sad." Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the, after that, when we got back uh, to Atlanta, uh, they they called you know all employee meeting in the power plant, which was uh, where, where they, it was attached to the office. And and we knew it that like that was it. Like we walked in and there was a human resources person from WWE who basically told us all that that's that we're all being let go and um you know gave us our information, you know, you'll get a severance package and So this, I was that. gonna ask so, did you get a severance package did we like did get severance, yeah. And um, but yeah, that was the end. And they they actually did like they threw us this little bit of hope, like if anybody would like to work for WWE, you know, here fill out this mm-hmm. form and this and that. And, like, other than agents like Arne Anderson and Dean Malenko and Fit Finley, I don't think anybody in the office got a job at WWE.
4: Well, now, they had their own magazine, and theirs continued until only recent yeah, years recently. before. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, because yeah. my kids had a subscription to it. Was there consideration to try to get in on their magazine?
1: I reached out. The publisher mm-hmm. at that time was a guy named Barry Warner, mm-hmm. and I reached out to him. Uh, I got in his email address. And you know, again, he was like, "I know who you are." You know, very complimenting, mm-hmm. You know, but just like we just don't have any openings right now. And, you know, so that was that. That yeah. never really went anywhere.
0: But that wasn't the end of your uh, story with WWE. And we're gonna we're gonna take one more quick break, real quick. Pause for station identification, and then when we come back, we're gonna hear about your uh, your the, greener pastures. The, the
5: next stage of your career. Indeed. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right on. We'll be back
5: engage with the MCW cast on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch for a chance to get your questions answered on a future episode of the cast or send us a tweet with the hashtag ask all
2: right we're back and uh, Kevin I got ask you um, my uh, I gotta ask you when I transitioned and I went from being a wrestling fan and kind of made I was young um, into the business 18, 19 years old right out of high school, there was a lot of uh, a lot of things that opened my eyes when you go you start training you go behind the scenes. We're at a point, kind of in your story where you've gone from Baltimore Sun. You start working in WCW magazine. Um, before we go on to the next thing of you getting a job writing for the WWE, at this point, at that point in your life, you're you're kind of starting to see things behind the scenes. Was there anything kind of shocking to you? <laughs> anything like you know? Well, <laughs> you see behind the scenes.
1: When you say that, one of the first times I was behind the scenes was actually at an MCW show at um, Michael's 8th Avenue. Okay. And it was the night, I remember you brought in
2: Yokozuna and Terry Funk, I think, on the same night. So that, so we had Terry Funk advertised. Um, Yoko was a surprise. Shout out to Tom Cassati. Hey,
3: bro. <laughs> hey, bro. Tom.
2: Tom Cassati. For bringing in Yokozuna, um, yeah, he brought Yokozuna in as a surprise right off of du- like right off of WWE television. I mean, equivalent now that would that was a surprise equivalent to,
0: Rowan. you know, like a top guy, yeah, like a because you know, Rowan just appeared on that indie indie thing, Rowan Redbeard, okay, um, who actually appeared on AEW first um, right. on the Brody tribute show, but it was a big deal because he's been fresh off of WWE. This was his first match. Right. Um, so, yeah, I know what you mean, with Yoko.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, and, you know, it was, it's equivalent to, like, a top guy all of a sudden, unadvertised, popping on a show, you know, like, now maybe, like, a Braun Strowman or something, mm-hmm. There was a because Yoko, obviously, was a top guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rowan yeah.
0: wasn't really a top guy. Yeah, it's yeah. Not like a a <laughs> yeah.
2: Braun Strowman, all of a sudden, he's off WWE right, TV right, right, for two right, months, yeah. and he just pops up on an indie yeah. show. Former champion. As a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh, my God, so yeah. that, was, that was that night. Yeah. yeah,
1: so I hadn't been backstage at a lot of shows at that point, and... You brought me in to, because I was going to interview Yokozuna and Terry Funk, uh, I think I was taping interviews, recording them for my radio show that I was doing with
2: Axel. So this is early 2000s? Yeah. Right.
3: So yeah, before is, my time. So
2: this is really around, like when I talked earlier about having a foggy memory this is where my memories of, of huh. me and you start coming in because I remember you started coming around. We started having more of a yeah. closer relationship I, and conversation. Actually, I think it was
1: before. I think it was like 98 or 99 because I hadn't left. You know what? You're right. I hadn't left to go You're to right. WCW yet.
2: So You're right. That that show must have been late 98, 99. You're right. right. You're absolutely right. So yeah, local, Yoko
0: didn't live much longer
3: after that. Right.
2: He passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was. You're right. Yeah, it was like late 90s, 98, 99. So, so the shocking thing for me, or the eye opener, as you put it, was... Um, you know,
1: I had been friendly with Axel at that point and you know, there was a lot of you know, heard a lot of things about Axel with drugs and things like that, but I had never actually seen anything. Mm-hmm. Um and he would always kinda like joke about like we did the radio show, he would make jokes about it, but I couldn't tell if he
2: was serious or joke, you know, whatever. That was axel's big jokes to feel you out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> about that. I mean I you know,
2: this isn't anything like that. Right you know we're not talking about anything axel was very open That's before true. he's passing about it so we're not we're not burying or anything we're right. talking about anything axel didn't you know the last couple of years of his life talk about very openly exactly but he had never come right out to me and said
1: yeah like uh, you know all this stuff you hear what he never said anything like that so that night at that show um, axel wasn't wrestling but he was he had to cut a promo in the ring and he was in street clothes and he had this is back in the days when every wrestler had a fanny pack. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So Axel's like he comes up me and he says, Hey Kev, I, I gotta go cut this promo in the ring, takes off the fanny pack, hold he goes, Here, will you hold my drugs for me? I'm <laughs> like, Oh, that's another joke, right? I was like, <laughs> I just looked at him kind of funny, he goes, Yeah, you know, it's my he, he unzipped it, shows me, and like there's white powder in there. That's yeah cocaine. Look, I, I'm I'd never seen cocaine in my life. Like <laughs> <football>. <laughs> Or 16-ball. Uh,
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <A> kilo. <laughs> kilo. Probably. So,
1: And at that point, he asked me, he goes, well, do you do drugs? And I, I just kind of looked at him. He goes, well, I don't know. Do you? And I'm like, no, man. I, no. He I goes, oh, okay, well, that's good then. Here. And he goes, I just want you to hold this for me while I go to the ring. He's um, like, you're the only guy, the only guy I trust back. I give it to any of these other guys. like They'll, they'll take it. Okay. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm, like, scared to death. Like, I've never, you know, like I said, I've never seen cocaine before. Now I'm holding it. And isn't this, like, don't you hear stories about this? Like, you get caught with drugs and you're like, it's right. not mine. I'm <laughs> holding it for my friend. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, is this is this a rib? Like, is Axel going to have, like, somebody, like, you know, like, a cop come in or something? And here I am. <laughs> He's
0: out the door. He's out the door. <laughs>
1: here's somebody who's never done anything like this. And I'm going to get, like, right. Stuck right. With, yeah. you know. I like, can see that Baltimore Sun writer, you know, busted for cocaine
2: <laughs> possession. So I'm like, okay. okay <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have got distribution charges.
3: <laughs> right.
4: yeah. yeah, we aren't talking residue here. Right. Is, we,
1: so yeah. Axel goes in the rain, cuts his promo, and the whole time I'm just sweating, <laughs>
2: holding this in my in my hands. I'm like, God, I hope you... He- <laughs> <laughs> Which just adds to if you would have gotten caught. Now you look coke. Right, yeah,
3: You so
0: bullets, y'all. <laughs> I
2: I I mean, I, or I couldn't have looked any more shady or,
1: you know, fidgety or whatever. Boy, this
2: podcast is going off. The <laughs>
1: <way>. <laughs> so then finally, you know, the like there's not a great punchline to the story. It's just, you know, Axel cuts his promo, comes back, hey, you got my drugs? Yeah, I hand it back to him. And, and I survived it. But I could tell you my heart was, you know, beating a mile a minute that whole time he was in the ring on that promo.
2: So just to put a little buffer here, um, Nobody in the back would have taken it. That was at Axel's point where like the paranoia had just gotten out of control. And that was towards where me and Axel really started having trouble. Um, And it was because of his demons Mm -hmm. that he could never get under control that ultimately led to his death. Um, but you know, just so you know, in that locker room, no, there wasn't a bunch of other people that was. that was actually paranoia <laughs> yeah. and that unfortunately was, uh, just kind of, you know, was spiral, a downward spiral. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, um, when I came into the business, I had heard all these rumors about Axel and, you know, he was obviously close with RJ and, and, um, then he started hanging out with us a little bit more. And so I established like a rule and I was like, no drugs in the house now, you know, this I, I just didn't want what the, you know the rumors to be true. So what ended up happening was Axel would wind up coming to hang out at our house like every Sunday, and we'd make food and all that stuff. He would just do the drugs before he got there, and then he would pass out on my floor for for sometimes overnight or And I was like, well, I don't know if this is better. So, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> I don't. I'd heard those same rumors too.
2: And that was the big escalation with me and Axel mm-hmm. falling apart was RJ. Because I hated that he was kind of sucking RJ into that world, yeah. oh, that's and that's and I hated him
4: for that too. And yeah. I and 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 so 100%. here's the
2: here's so so you talk about like what's the dark side of the ring, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that's what um, you know. I I didn't want that element around um, because Axel was a guy that people looked up to. To me, he was still just Axel because we had. He had trained me. We had gone back a decade, you know, to the early 90s. Um, But to young guys like RJ, um, he was Axel Rotten, superstar from ECW, barbed wire bat. Axel was over. He was worldwide known. And um, that was pressure. Mm -hmm. That was pressure. Um, I'm not going to say like about like people that were in the room, but I remember when I was young in the business and um, was going to like ECW and stuff like that, and I remember walking, you know, going into hotel rooms and drugs being on the table, and you look around and there's all these top guys, and it's a lot of pressure to say no to, and um, you know, yeah, that was a that was like I hated, I hated that, I hated that about Axel when he's when when I saw RJ kind of start to go mm-hmm. in that direction, um, and again RJ has been you know was open, um, you know. About problems and struggles he ran into but yeah that was that was where so right around that time is where the disintegration really of me and Axel um, was happening in real time at that point probably around Mm -hmm. that show
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know so so to go from there (laughs) um, after that so after WCW and all that as you're kind of transitioning and starting to see the the behind-the-scenes things the next thing Big moment in your career, you get an opportunity, and, and you would have. And at that point, I think you came back. Did you come back and start doing ring posts again after WCW? So post the blog, because I remember it getting really over to yeah. where like a lot of like the big blog writers were 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 quoting you and you right. know, you right. you were breaking stories, yeah. That so other people weren't.
1: So when I came back, luckily I was able to come back to Baltimore. Um, I got my old job back at the Baltimore Sun. Had a quick. Quick stop working for the Baltimore Ravens for a few months um, because the sun had a hiring freeze. And then as soon as the hiring freeze was off, I got back in there. So I only worked for the Ravens, worked for their website for like three months. But, yeah, so I got back in. And um, so this is like 2001, 2002 that I'm back at the Baltimore Sun. The blog didn't start until like 2007, right? So by the time the blog, it was yeah, like 2007 when the blog started. And, and it did, like we talked about, you know, before we went to the last break, um, it started really taking off. There weren't a lot, now everyone has a blog, everyone has a podcast, there's all this stuff. Back then, there weren't many mainstream newspapers, new, mainstream news organizations, covering professional wrestling. So, the Ring Post blog, it did, it got picked up, you know, the Dirt sites would pick it up whenever there was a story that I had, or an interview that I did, um, so it really started to grow, and it got my name out there more and more. Now, Kevin Dunn, who, who ever, I'm sure everybody knows who mm-hmm. Kevin Dunn is, mm-hmm. worked WWE executive producer for years and years and years, he's a Baltimore guy mm-hmm. and uh, you know went to Delaney High School. And um, he became aware of the blog because he read the Baltimore Sun for Ravens and Orioles coverage and everything else. He, he, it was his local um, news outlet. So he started reading the blog and became aware of it. And I had heard from other people in WWE that he was a fan of it. And that he um he liked that I was fair. That's what I heard. He, like you're he's like, if you know, if you criticize us or you know you have a critique, it's constructive criticism, and you explain why. You don't just take cheap shots. Because you know, even right. at that point, a lot of mainstream media, as we talked about earlier, still kind of looking down on, on the business. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that really facilitated uh me getting an interview there he um i ran into i also got to know big big john Gaboric.
3: oh yeah right from yeah, tough enough mm-hmm. yeah
1: so uh john also was like familiar with me in the blog you know so we had this whole baltimore connection we all went to the same college towson state
3: mm-hmm.
1: not, obviously not at the same time but so we had this whole little connection there and they were wwe was in town for a smackdown and um He's like John. Like John and I like got a drink at the bar, the hotel bar afterwards. And he's like, Hey, have you ever? um, Did you say hello to Kevin? Kevin Dunn. I said, No, I've actually never been, you know, really introduced to him. Oh, come on, I'll I'll introduce you. So he introduces me to Kevin Dunn, and Kevin once again said, You know, read the blog and you know your fair and all this. And he said, Have you ever thought about um, working for us? I said, Well, you know, my entire life. (laughs) Right. 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 He goes, uh, yeah. He goes, we're um, we're we're always looking for writers, and um, you know, I can you know put your name in there. So what? I actually jumped ahead here a little bit, and I'll I'll tell it now. I said, well, Kevin, you know, I actually interviewed for a writing job back in two thousand and one, and you guys didn't hire me. And he goes, oh, well, you know, things are different now, and, and um, you know, I think you know, send me your resume, and you know, so that's what put the wheels in motion. So, quick story going back. After WCW went down, I'd reached out to the magazine editor, that didn't work. Um, so I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to get into the creative aspect of it. That's what I really wanted to do. And I knew, you know, you would see on different websites, like WW is always looking for writers and this and that. So I just like sent a cold email to them saying, you know, I'd like, you know, how do I apply for a writing job? And they responded back, and it was basically They wanted you to submit two sample scripts using WWE characters, and you come up with a whole arc of a program, you know, from beginning to end, the matches that take place, the promos, the angles, the whole thing. And so I did that, submitted it, and they liked it to the point where they actually brought me in for an interview. Uh, Went to Stanford, met with uh, the, the creative team, which at the time, Brian Gewertz was on the team, and. Paul Heyman was there and Michael Hayes was there. Stephanie was in charge. Stephanie McMahon was in charge of the team at that point. I was only supposed to be in for one, it was in and out in one day. And Stephanie says to me on the first day, she's like, um, I want you to come back you know, tomorrow for the second half of our meeting. She's like, um, Triple H is, is making his comeback soon to TV. He had been off TV. This might have been when he had toured his quad. I can't remember specifically. What. Mm-hmm. She's like, I want you to come up with a storyline for how we reintroduce Hunter and present it to the team tomorrow. I said, Well, I'm only supposed to be here for one night, or for one day. Like I don't I don't I didn't pack clothes to stay overnight. and She's like, Well, that's not a problem, is it? No, no, of course not. No, of course not. Um She's like, Yeah, we'll have our driver, you know, take you to the Stanford Mall and you can pick up some toiletries or whatever, you know, if you need, because I, I have nothing. So I did that, you know, I'm in my hotel room the night, that night, and I'm writing up this, coming up with a storyline, go back the next day, present it, the whole thing. And I'm thinking it kind of went okay. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Go back home, about a week later, they called me and said, uh, you know, thanks for coming up and, you know, appreciate it, but, you know, we're not going forward with you at this time. I was like, wow, I thought I did okay. <laughs> so to me, that was the end of it. Like, that, I got my shot. That so was, that
2: was... In two thousand. That was two thousand and one. One. Right
1: after WCW. Right after WCW, okay. I felt like, all right, how many people can say they at least had an interview
2: right. for their dream? I got an audience
1: with them, I took my best shot. Ultimately they you know, and I I actually asked them, I like when they said no, I said, Well, can I ask why? And they said, Well, we're really you know, your background's in journalism and you don't really have any creative writing experience and you know we're looking for like soap opera writers and this thing. You know, I got that mm. whole thing. I was like, okay, well, I wanted to say, well, you knew what my resume was before you brought <laughs> right. me up. But okay, so I thought that was the end. You know, like, dreams over and, and that's the end. But then, like I said, you know, fast forward um, eight years or whatever it was. I guess it was 2010 that I had that conversation with Kevin Dunn. And um, 2011, you know, <laughs> they same thing brought me up for the interview nine yards, and this time, they offered
0: me the job. Well, that's an amazing yeah, story. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to uh, ask, you know, um, you, you went up there for that first interview, and they eventually called you and told you, you know, we're, we're not going to go with you. Were you discouraged then? Did you think it was over? I'm never going to get this opportunity. They know who I am, or...
1: I was dis- I was disappointed. I was very disappointed because I thought I got the sense that it went well. And it's like, man, like, I, I, I didn't think was, I, I really convinced myself that they were going to want me. Yeah. So, yeah, it was disappointing. And I remember, like, eventually I got to a point where, like, I just like, OK, well, I got I took my shot.
3: Mm-hmm. I
1: still got a good job here in Baltimore and you know all that. So, like, it, it wasn't it wasn't like my life was over or anything like that. It's like, OK, took the shot, didn't get it. Part of me was, because I was doing some freelance writing at that point, I was writing for Wrestling Digest, which was a mm-hmm. publication. I don't know if you guys are big sports fans, but very similar to Baseball Digest, Football mm-hmm. Digest. This whole It was a little, you know, smaller magazine. And so I'm writing for them. And I thought, it was at a time when WWE storylines were, it was like 2000, they were starting to go down. So I'm like, wow, I can really... Um, I'll take out my frustrations a little bit and write about how crappy the product is. Yeah. Like, you don't want to hire me? All right. I'll point out how lousy your product is. You wish you had hired me.
0: I, You know, I bring that up to you, Kevin, because it's it's kind of a personal story with me. Is I, I have a similar interaction with um, WWE where I was kind of put on the spot, thinking I was only going to be there for one night. Mm-hmm. And they were like, at the end of the night, they were like, so we'll see you tomorrow, Right. And this I'm must
1: like, be a thing that they do. <laughs> this is, well, this is what I'm saying. I, I've
0: never really shared this story with anyone because, you know, it's a private story. But I as well was uh, backstage in an extra role for a Raw when they were here in the in the Baltimore area. And, you know, I saw a lot of my former colleagues that I worked with on the Indies. I saw a few people that I worked with right here in MCW Pro, D mm-hmm. e. Edwards. Um, and the night's over and I'm like, wow. Well, that was my backstage <laughs> experience at WWE. And Mark Carano, he's like, so uh, we're in Norfolk, Virginia tomorrow. We'll see you there, right? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, you will see me there. He's like, all right, excellent. Be there right and early and make sure you're looking like you're looking. I was in a suit. Make sure you're looking like you're looking tonight. Maybe we'll have something for you. And, you know, it was kind of like, I was like, am I being put on the spot to see how dedicated, Mm -hmm. how far I'll go? And it sounds like that's been... Kind of, part of the course since
4: yeah. 2001. My, my story was in 2017, so... <laughs> I yeah. also have a similar story. And and uh, my first interaction was through Kevin Dunn as well. Actually, was how I got into wrestling, was Kevin Dunn being a high school friend of a manager where I was working at a bar. But I was an extra as well. I was... Um, with Godfather, <laughs> and
3: uh, well, um, <laughs> the
4: same thing happened. And I had uh, it was arranged through Kevin Dunn by way of being a high school buddy with my manager at the bar. And I went, did my thing, was on the you know was on the hotel train that night. And then Tony Gurria came in and said, "So we'll see you tomorrow in DC." Oh, okay. I mean, I gotta work, but um, okay. It's Like, yeah. And I didn't know, and it, like I said, this was my very first time. My very first time in a ring was, you know, at the Baltimore Arena in front mm-hmm. of all those people. And so I didn't know either. And I was like, "Yes, I will be here tomorrow." Okay, great. Like, yeah. and so I, <laughs> it sounds like that might be something they do. A but then lot it of. doesn't
0: go anywhere. It's where we're in the nature yeah. of my, my, in two thousand and one, where it's like, "Hey, you know, good job, but not not good enough right now." Where you like then discouraged to the point, well, well that was my WWE career, I right. I tried, and they just don't want me. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's definitely kind of the feeling I was having to reveal, but here yeah, I'm at the MCW cast and things aren't going so bad if you ask me. <laughs>
2: right. and, and then when you, when you got that job, how long, how long were you, were you there writing for? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Right. Man, twenty twenty eleven to 2014.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's funny because when I got that second interview, I was much more, <clears throat> yeah, I was older at that point and I was just like, if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, like, I didn't have all my hopes and dreams wrapped up into it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I mean, I don't want to go into too many details about, you know, numbers and stuff like that. But that, that interview, I knew, I just felt like I really nailed it even more than I did the first one. Like, they're going to offer, like, I just was really sure. Mm-hmm. And so they did. You know, I got the call and um, the human uh, resources guy, the recruiting guy said, you know, we want to offer you the job. And, and um, here's what we're going to offer you. And they gave me a figure. I said, "Hmm, okay. Well, let me, th- me talk to my wife, and I'll get back to you." And it, it wasn't it, it wasn't insulting, but it wasn't enough to get me again to now. I've been at the Baltimore Sun. Uh, geez, you know how many every years been? Do the math. But mm-hmm. and now I'm I'm a man. I'm in management at the Baltimore Sun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm a middle manager, and I'm making a good salary, and I've got a family now. And I'm like, I'm not leaving unless it's more than that. So I was yeah. perfectly comfortable, and I told him I, after I had talked to my wife, and I said, "No, nah, I'm going to have to, you know, man, I really appreciate it, but I'm going to decline." Mm-hmm. And I think he was taken aback because I don't think they hear "no" a lot. <laughs> Probably not. Right. <laughs> right. I know. So he's like, "Oh, okay, you know, uh, can I ask why?" And I just I told him why. I said, "You know, money wasn't quite what I thought it would be, and you know, there's certain factors in my life. And I have a family here, and I have an elderly mm-hmm. mother here, who's you know, oh. a lot of things." Yeah. Okay, so a couple hours go by. He calls me again. He's like, hey, um, Stephanie McMahon would like to speak with you directly. And he goes, I know you've made up your mind and everything. He's like, but she just wants to reach out to you. Just, he's like, are, are you open to talking to her?
3: Of course, <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: He goes, okay, she'll give you a call in a little bit. And so then Stephanie McMahon calls me. And she's like, I totally understand your concerns and everything like you know." She's like, but we'd really like to have you here, and she gives me this open-ended question. She's like, "What would make you happy? Like, what would it take to get you here? Like, give me, a, you know, like, come up with a number." Ah, I'm like, "Is this for real? Like, my head's spinning, right?" I'm like, um, "Okay." So she's like, "Yeah, let us call us back and tomorrow." And okay, so again, talk it over with my wife, and I said, "All right, I'm gonna." I'm going to, like, I've never, I'm not good at negotiating. I hate buying a car. Like, I don't like the, just tell me how much it costs and give it to, you know what I mean? Like, I hate haggling. So I've never negotiated before, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to just, like, shoot, I'm going to, like, put a big number out there. And, but I'll take this number from what they offered me and what I'm coming back with. If they can come in the middle, Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Like, I'm going to say, I'm prepared, I'll say yes. Right. So I I talk to her. I give her my number. That I'm here's my number. And I'm I, I was like shaking as I told because I'm thought she's going to be like, who the hell do you think you are? That's right? called the big ask, you know. Is, is that the, <laughs> yeah, the, That's big called ask. the big ask? The big ask. So and I'm like her
2: number higher to ultimately right. get to something
1: else. I'm yeah. thinking she's going to be like, who who do you think you are? You know, right? But she's like, okay, she's like, um, uh, we'll get back to you tomorrow or whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next day, human resources calls me again and says like. Um, you know, we want to offer you the the contract and uh, or offer you the job, and it was the number that I asked for.
4: Wow! Wow!
1: So I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm I'll take it." <laughs> you know? so yeah, I took awesome. it. Yeah, so it was it was like, man, I was on top of the world at that point. But I, st- I went into there with my eyes open because I know there aren't a lot of lifers there on the writing team. I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of Know, of course, I went in there yeah. thinking I'm going to be one of the exceptions and I'm going to mm-hmm. stay there, you know, forever and all that. But you know, I lasted three years, which I saw people come in.
2: I saw people that didn't last three weeks.
3: Wow! I saw people that didn't last
2: three days. And there's millions of people around the world that have the same dream you did, same dreams you did, and don't get three minutes yeah. for the WWE. So, you know, and and ultimately, then so then by by that point, me and you had. Um, me and you had started to to become closer because actually when you moved up, you know, I'm a real estate agent. We had, we talked about right. selling your house and all that, like before you moved up there. So we had gotten to the point where we had started to become better friends and you come, you, you, you leave your job at the WWE. Um, you're not working there anymore. And I don't We have a conversation um, and we kind of turn this, you know, come in with the idea to turn this into a character on our shows and you go all in, you know, like all in with coming out with a WWE sweatshirt on. And it had it had it was public knowledge that you were released. Right. At the time, um, from WWE. So you come in and, you know, I'm kinda letting you, you know, as I as I always have with most people, um, I'm kinda giving you like free reign. Like we're having discussions about it, but you're kinda to give you your credit, kinda coming up with How you want to present, um, and how you want to come back, and here we go. Now all of a sudden, Kevin Eck, former WWE writer, is about to become a character on the MCW shows.
1: I was looking to turn what was a negative into a positive, right? Because nobody likes to be told we don't want you at your job anymore, right? It's it's a it's an ego. It's a blow to your ego, sure, right? And even though it was, and it's funny because this became an ongoing thing with the character. is I really was laid off due to budget cuts?
2: Right. Well, it was was that like an XFL? What happened at the time?
1: It, it there was, was something major. It was a couple of things. It was the WWE Network didn't
2: hit the
3: that's subscriber what it was. Number and that was
2: big news, and they had a lot of cuts at
1: that. time. They did. Time. Yeah.
2: They basically. They had I remember it being a big shift in something. That's what it yep. was. They were way way under on the numbers. It was of two things.
1: It was that that they basically told their stockholders like, here's the target number, and then they didn't hit it. And also, they were renegotiating their TV deal at that point, and they thought they were going to get this huge TV deal, which they told the, uh, the stockholders. And that didn't happen either. So those two things, the stock fell mm-hmm. huge, and I, you, there, there were stories about Vince McMahon, like his personal wealth. He went from a billionaire to a millionaire. I remember guy. that, yeah. And and so, of course, what happens then? Well, then then there's going to be a lot of layoffs, right? So and we were told like it's they're going to be uh, across all departments right and and i was told by some people that had been there for a while you know how we went we were talking about this big number that i asked right for. i was just gonna say
2: this is, <laughs> this is where the big ass comes back this where the, me in the butt this right. is where the big ass
1: bit me in the ass right because <laughs> yeah. it's like some people told me like that that knew like some of the people in the writing department who knew what people were making and stuff they're like you know usually the people that make the most money when they start look they're just going to look at numbers right. they're going to take right. sprich, it's all numbers. numbers all numbers doesn't care whose name is next to the number that, you know, just don't be surprised if you're on the list. So I wasn't. Like, I wasn't surprised at all. In fact, I kind of expected it. You know, but still when it happens, you have this, you still know. Still kicking it. It's still, it's like, yeah, it's like I, they, they don't want me anymore. They didn't, you know, they didn't say, hey, would you take a pay cut to stay? Like, they didn't even ask that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you're, you're gone and, and that's the end of it. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, how do I turn, turn this into a negative into a positive? And I've always, you know, I think probably all of us in this room, for sure, we all think, like, we, we have a little bit of ham in us, right? Like, we could be... Oh, of course. Right? It's like, I've always been behind the scenes. Yeah, I did a radio show, but, like... Uh, and, and when I did the blog, I, host, I we did a little video show with the blog that Axel was part of, Axel and I would go But I'm like, you know what? Like, I've always wanted to be a real part of the show. I've always wanted... And I've always loved Heels. And I'm like, man, I think it would be so much fun. And I think I could really do it is to be a heel. Heel manager. I'm not going to ever be a wrestler, that's for sure. But a heel manager, I think I can do it. And so, yeah, I pitched you the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm a former WWE writer, just got laid off. Um, I'm, I'm bitter, and, you know, I, I think the character was basically that MCW is is low rent, and MCW is just a little yeah, indie. Us, right. I've worked for the big promotion. I'm going to come in and show you guys how it's done. I'm going to make your little indie promotion, bring it up to standard. And that was
2: the whole idea of it. Yeah. 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 And I remember, like, I know there's some times where, like, I can always say I was wrong or something, but I remember, like, a lot of the guys helping me book at the time, um, a lot of the guys, and I was like, you pitched it. And I was just like, I thought it was good. And um, I was, like, getting pushback from them. They're like, no, nah, this is going to be cheesy. But it turned out it, it really worked. Like, it just clicked, it worked. Um, it worked with the fans, and I was, you know, I'm glad that, that we went that direction, but it did. You, but, you you know, you came in and you made it work. You know, a lot of guys thought, oh, that's just not going to get over. People are going to see through that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too, like, 80s heel or whatever. and I was just like, no. But I, I, I thought and was right, like, I was like, you know, he got a, it, you know, he got a lot of the major wrestling websites picked it up when you got released as yep. a writer. So, like, people know, and they did, man. It just took off right from the start. So... Originally, it was just going to be a set where we were we were talking about that we were going to do an interview segment, right? Is that's you were initially doing an interview segment? N- not, I mean, the initial angle started off with me coming back,
1: like, as a baby face. The, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Al
0: Albert hugged you. I just saw that. Right. Yeah. That's right. Albert
3: hugged you. that's right. That's
1: David. right. That's well, right. Well, welcome back. I just, you know, lost my job. And, and right. hey, I'm back in MCW, back in Baltimore. Love everybody. And, you know, right, right, really right. put okay. MCW over mm-hmm. and the whole thing. And then at the end of the night, uh, and the fans were very respectful because you know, like I'm not really party parts, but I put over the whole hometown thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like you know, I'm a big fan, just like you, and this, that, and the other. And then at the end of the night, that was just to, to that was the misdirection. Right, right, right. And then at the end of the night, Matt Hardy was in a match with Trolleys. That's right. That's
2: for right. For the okay. uh, for for the title for the for title. The title. Right, right, right,
1: right, right. And I came in. I had been doing some refereeing in mcw before that
3: that's right oh my gosh i was i had already
1: been there as a referee
0: i bought you out at a shamrock cup i remember that's right
1: that's right that's amazing so so at the end of the night you know i've got my and that was part of the story too was that i wanted to come back and be like basically like run the show and you offered me a job as a referee. And you got insulted. And That's I got insulted. See, there's
2: no script here. We're just... That's right. That's re- right. Yeah. We're all remembering it. We go. We're That's all remembering. right. It was,
1: it was you offered me a job as a lowly referee. A lowly after lowly I, I, you wanted to run the company. I've been right. booking WrestleMania with Vince McMahon. And you want me to be a referee for your little indie promotion?
2: <laughs> right, right, right. So okay. at
1: the end of the night, I came in. I think there was a ref bump. I come in. With my ref shirt Mm -hmm. on and screwed Matt Hardy,
2: screwed Matt Hardy, screwed Matt
1: Hardy, gave him the nut shot, Drowlax pinned him, and then we were off to the races. Yes,
2: yes, Mm -hmm. and then from that point, um, so from a promoter standpoint, um, after that you started the ectrodge, you start to kind of get people together, and we kind of what happens a lot of times in. um, in booking and running and and running the back a lot of times sometimes pieces automatically fit sometimes you have guys or girls that are that are good hands um that are good hands in the ring you definitely want them they have every you know you you like them you like them on the shows but they like a puzzle they haven't fit into the right spot Mm -hmm. um and ultimately we get Kind of what together was going to be a throw-together team, we ultimately ended up Eric Chappell and Dirty Money, who were both mm-hmm. talented guys. They were both in shape. They looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have anything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you eventually pull them together as the Ectorage. And, and from a promoter standpoint, I have to, to give hats off because it was something at the time that was just kind of throw-together. Um, and they were to highlight you. And you were getting heat as a manager doing this the shtick you were doing, but ultimately you guys probably I think arguably became one of the best units and best tag team we've ever had in MCW. You guys, thanks together. You got it over. Um The Ectorage got Ectorage got over multiple time tag team champions three times in MCW. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, you know that's just that's something I want to point out as a promoter from the from the backstage side that not that you know um anything's meant to happen sometimes things are meant to happen sometimes they're not but that wasn't that wasn't put in place to become the unit that it was that ultimately we um you know not only a three-time mcw tag team champions but you guys were in two really important moments in mcw history um probably two of the top moments one of them was um, in the tag team title match um, with the Hardys, when they were Impact Wrestling, when they were white hot, mm-hmm. and we had, you know, over a thousand people in the MCW arena, they were, you know, um, you're welcome go- for the house. And they, <laughs> they, were, they were going around, it was right before they went back that WrestleMania, and they were TNA tag team champions, and they won the MCW tag titles. Mm-hmm. That moment, and also the very last Piper's Pit with Roddy Roddy mm-hmm. Piper, the very last Piper's Pit that was ever done was done in the MCW arena with you guys involved. Um, So they, you know, yeah, you became that Taraj became a a big part of MCW history and had a a lot of very important roles.
1: Well, I just got to say I I really appreciate, uh, and I've told you before that you gave me the shot to do it. Right, you you put the trust in me, and uh, this is the first I've heard that there was pushback. I would like a list of names, by the way, (laughs) you said that, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you giving us that platform you know, to, to do it. And um, Dirty and, and Eric and I were three individuals. We didn't know each other. I think Dirty and Eric may have known each other a little bit, you know, through being on the Indies They may have crossed paths. But I didn't know, you know, either one of them. And we were just kind of thrown together. And But we immediately just started brainstorming, like, what can we do with this? How can we make it different, you know, than what? Like, we didn't want it to just be typical. Like, what can we do different other than, oh, we're the heel team. And um, really, this whole WWE thing, former WWE writer, kind of played, you know, into it a lot. But thing was, like, you know, the, people talk about chemistry. Like, the three of us just had it, mm-hmm. and and it's like we all worked well together. We were all open to each other's ideas, and we all liked each other. Like, that was a yeah. big part of it. Was the three of us just, we just gelled and bonded. So, I mean, it was it was a great time. Like, I, I had so much fun doing it, and and to see it that it, you know, to have those opportunities. To be in the ring with Roddy Piper. I mean, to share a microphone with Roddy Piper. Like, you have no idea how much I idolized Roddy Piper when I was a teenager. Like, I was such a nerd. When I was in high school, I had, you know how kids in high school, you'll put like uh, bands names on the front of it, mm-hmm. you know? I cut out a picture of Roddy Piper in his kilt from a wrestling magazine. He was on the cover. And and like glued it to my, uh, my binder. Now, walking around, you know, the, the halls of Dundalk High School, that that didn't get over with the girl. I mean, the, the chicks didn't, yeah, it didn't, get the didn't get over with the girls. They didn't get over with the chicks, you know. But it's like, I didn't care. I loved Roddy.
0: I loved Roddy.
4: Fighting. Yeah, you know, Kevin,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't care either.
4: That, did that I. was one of the highlights of my experience here at MCW was that night. Because I was at ringside as well for that. And I remember I... Um, you know, I'd grown up watching Roddy Piper, of course, too, and he was such a cool guy that night as well. But I remember at ringside, he leans over to me, he goes, "I'm going to kiss you now," and he just planted a big kiss on my cheek, and I was like, "Oh my god, Roddy Piper just kissed me!" But like that was one of my like most favorite memories here at MCW too. Was that night and hearing hearing you guys talking in the ring to get like th- it was the it was one of the best segments ever.
3: Well,
1: oh, I appreciate you saying that, but it was. Um... So I got to work with Roddy in WWE, right? We like he came in. It was one of those um, cyber nights. I don't remember if we call what we called it.
0: Cyber Tuesday.
1: Cyber Tuesday. Thank you. Mm, yeah, I remember.
0: I remember <laughs> a okay. lot of the stuff that we're talking about mm-hmm. right now. It's coming back.
1: So I got. I was the writer assigned to this segment, which was a Piper's Pit. Um, but we didn't know who the guest was going to be. It was fans could vote. It was either going to be Chris Jericho, Dolph Ziggler, or The Miz. And these things were a shoot. Like, it was legit. Like, it wasn't worked. So, as the writer on the segment, I was told Like, it was really picked by the
2: people. It, those things were really
1: picked wow. by the people. Vince would not work them. 100%. He's like, it's got to be legit. So, I was told, at the show, like, I mean, this is not done ahead of time. This is, you know, the day of the show. I have to write three separate Piper's Pit segments. One for Jericho, one for Dolph, one for Miz. Now, eventually, all three of them, were in every scenario, all three of them eventually come out. But it, how you started it and what, you know, okay, Jericho starts one. Well, he and Piper have to have an interaction. That's one segment, you know, and then who comes out next and how do they get into it? Okay, then, okay, for the Dolph angle or for the Dolph, you know, what does he do? and how do, So I had to write three separate segments because we didn't know which one was going to um, going to happen. And I remember we, you know, a lot of times with talent at that level, you know, this is not handing a promo to a mid-card talent and you say, memorize this, and that's the end of it. There's no back and forth. With these talents, especially Piper and Jericho and Miz, Dolph didn't have as much, but they all had their own opinions, especially Jericho, you know, of how this segment's going to You know, like I hand them the paper and they're like, okay, all right, so now let's talk about how we're going to do this. And and so now you know we're debating back and forth, and I was like, oh my, this is going to blow up. Like, it's, and I got to write three separate versions, and you know the clock's ticking. Like we're on it, we're on live at eight o'clock, and you know I don't know what it's five o'clock, six o'clock. We're not. This isn't. And I could tell Roddy was, like, his head was just swimming with all these different scenarios of like, you know, so he's trying to get it all in
2: his head. And Roddy's big with ad libbing anyway. And right. old school guys like that—they right—they're not used to that exactly because he spent thirty years hundred percent ad living. Yep. Yeah. You know, right?
1: So I'm just thinking, my God, it's going to—and a lot of times when these things go bad, the writer is the one who gets yelled at. It's not the talent, right? So I'm like, this is going to be—this could be the night I get fired. So, and then Vince was making changes up until like five or ten minutes before the segment. He's like, you know, Feed Piper, tell Piper he's got to say this now or something gave it to Roddy, and I just saw this look on his face. I'm like, this is just going to be a disaster, right? So they go out and do the segment. Jericho won the vote, so Jericho goes first. So that's the scenario we do. And they're out there, and I'm in Gorilla. Writers have to be in Gorilla with the headsets on, communicating, Vince is to your left, Kevin Dunn's in the truck, and you've got to kind of communicate. You have to s- sort of tell them where we're going. So Kevin knows what shots to get, this and that. That's great when everybody follows the script. Roddy's out there, and he immediately starts going off the script. Jericho's off the script. And, you know, you got to know when to cue somebody. You know, when do you send Dolph, and when do you send Miz? And they're all over the place. And it was just a train wreck. And Vince starts feeding. Like, luckily, Vince wasn't angry as much as he got a kick out of it. He started feeding. If you ever go back and watch that clip, he starts feeding Michael Cole lines to say how horrible the segment is. So Cole starts cracking. Oh, this is the worst Piper's pit ever. So that was that segment, right? It was just a disaster. So that's what we based the Piper's Pit in MCW right. off of. Was Roddy right. and I had this? The setup was, you know, I knew Roddy was going to be at the MCW show for Piper's Pit. I demanded an audience with him because I wanted him. I basically blamed him. This was the downward spiral of my time in WWE. Vince never forgave me for that segment. So when there were budget cuts, oh, sorry about that. When there were budget cuts, I was the first guy to go. And it all goes back to this segment. And I blame you, Roddy Piper, and, you know, I said, I had a line of, like, you know, they say never meet your heroes because they'll always disappoint you. You were my hero. You disappointed me. I just want you to say you're sorry. Right. That was the setup.
2: Yeah, and I I specifically remember, because this is something I always got a kick out of as a promoter and still do, like, when I I say my kids, you know, like, people that I've broken and and, and, uh, trained and... When I give them opportunities, or give them opportunities with stars like that, um, I'd always get a kick out of just kind of watching their body language before and after. Like, and usually, and I just remember all of you guys, like you, Eric, Dirty, um, everybody, even the Hellcats because they ran out. Everybody just when they came back, it was like. Every one of you guys was like eight-year-old kids <laughs> yep. just on cloud nine that like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. We just did a Piper's Pit. And then ultimately at, th- at that point in time, you didn't know. I-, I-, I remember having a conversation with like Eric, Dirty, everybody like going back and forth um, afterwards. Because ultimately we didn't know that, what, 10 days later?
4: 11. Yeah. 11 yeah. days 11 later, later. Yeah, yeah. He,
2: he passed away. Right. So ultimately you had no idea that that was going to be the last piper's pit ever you know ever done and imagine
1: that you know again i'm that 18 17 year old kid with roddy piper on his notebook (laughs) now i'm the last guest ever in piper's pit i mean that's still just even saying Uh it yeah it just blows me away and roddy was so great to work with it was one another one of those things where he was doing meet and greets and, and signing autographs right taking pictures and everything and it Obviously, he, not surprisingly, he had a long line, and it was he was long it, he was out there longer than we, I think we thought he was going to be. So, and I'm real nervous with stuff like he, not just working with Pike with anybody. I like to prepare like I really want to know what I'm doing before I go. I'm not that great on the fly. And so here comes you know Pike Roddy and I hadn't really talked. All he said to me early in the night was, "Hey, I hear we're doing this thing about you know you're a WW writer and about that segment we did back then." And okay, you know I'll get with you later. It was like 15 minutes, I think, before we went out there. You were in the back. I was We were in the
4: office, weren't we? Yes. We were all all in the office. We were in the office, yep. Well, and Piper had been at another autograph signing earlier in the day that ran long because he talked to every single fan and not just, hey, how you doing? Had whole conversations with him. He was up in Hagerstown and came straight to here so he was he got here and like you said his line was you know really long and it was he just took so much time with everybody and then yeah it was 15 minutes before the segment and we were all in the office it
1: was 15 mm-hmm. minutes and I'm like oh like I like stuff like I like to write my stuff out kind of memorize it you know Roddy and I were just going but he's like yeah well like you know you say this and then I'll say that and, you know we'll, we'll you know figure it out and Oh, my God. And He's like talking
4: I'm, about other stuff in between. Like he's going
1: between. off on tangents. And I'm like, yeah. oh my, I'm going out there with Roddy Piper. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I was nervous. But it's like, you probably, I don't know you guys might feel the same way, but it's like you're nervous. But, man, as soon as you walk out on that stage. Yeah, yeah it goes away. It yep. goes away, and I'm like, man, it's going to be so cool. Like, I'm walking <laughs> into the ring, and there's Roddy Piper standing there with the microphone. This is going to be awesome. And, like, he, he immediately kind of took it off in a little bit different direction, but I'm like, and again, I don't ever, I don't, I don't think of myself as being able to think great on my feet, but that was like, you had no choice. Mm-hmm. And I felt, at least, you know, I'm, and I'm my own worst critic. Like, I'll criticize my performances all the time, but I thought that night I was as good as I could possibly be and keeping, trying to keep up with Roddy. Mm-hmm. And like, I was so happy. Like, you know, you go back and watch, and like, well, I could have said this or said that, could have been better. But just for somebody who had to, like, ad-lib with Roddy, like, we knew where we were going, but he took us in a different way to get there. Like, I, I was just so happy
2: with it. Yeah, and, and, and that was also, that night was, like, for me as a promoter, like, a proud, really proud moment for me. You know, I have these moments that I remember people saying something to me. And, 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 the, and the, the fans, people watching should know, like, Roddy Piper, then who was paid, he had done his stick he had done his autograph signing, could have left. 99.9% of your big stars are gone at that point. Some of them do the autograph signing, and if they're doing a promo or whatever, they're like, hey, let me get that out of the way first match and get out of here. He stayed the whole night and watched pretty much everybody's match, guys and girls, pulled them aside as a, and just wa- and, and literally sat and watched their match at the curtain. As soon as they walk through the curtain, hey, do you mind if I have a... I just remember people's faces all night. Hey, guys, do you have a minute? Can I give you some advice? And everybody was like, yes. (laughs) You know, just like, (laughs) are you serious? Like Rowdy, Rowdy Piper? You want to talk to me? Yeah, Yeah. and I said to him, and I thanked him for that. Mm -hmm. And he, like, I went to walk away, and he grabbed me by the arm, and I was like, oh. And he, like, pulled me back, and he said, you have such an amazing product and a platform for young people in this business, he's like, and I go over and see all these indies all over the country. He's like, I, I, he goes, if I lived here, if I lived close, I'd come to every one of your shows and stand here at the curtain and do this for all your matches. I think it's great what you do and you have an amazing platform to help people's careers. And I'm just so impressed with what you got. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. so yeah, I that, And I was just like blown away and I was just like, wow.
4: Uh, and he was going to come back correct? he was going to come back so, or our next year was october right No, he uh, was
2: doing he was doing a, um he was doing a signing in hunt valley for a horror convention
0: that's
3: right
2: and we had shows that weekend mm-hmm. and the conversation came back and he said i want to come back you like basically you'll be next to nothing i just i really like being here and he mm-hmm. was like if you want i could be a surprise so we were supposed to talk in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's like, let me get the schedule from like Chiller Theater. I can't remember. It's a big horror convention. He was already booked. And we had shows, I think that weekend, like at Waldorf. Yeah. We had like two or three yeah. shows, but he wanted to come. He was, But he needed to get his signing schedule for the convention. And I was like, you want to? And he's like, yeah, I, I want to come back. I want to come to your shows. I just need to figure out what our signing schedule is going to be and where you're going to be at. And, We'll get all those details together. Call me in a couple weeks. This was July. Mm -hmm. The convention was in October, so we had like two months. And then sadly, 11 days
0: later. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, yeah, that's part of the kind of story that is our industry. And and speaking of Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you mentioned that you didn't even know uh, Eric and, and Dirty Money before. You guys were all... Put together, and through that being put together and creating here in MCW Pro, you came, became great friends. We and did, yeah. We're
1: three different, like very different personalities too, but somehow we just we, we made it work. And um, they did, list, like we all pitched in our ideas. But I will say this: that they did sort of respect that it was. I don't want to say my vision, but I had very specific ideas of things I thought we should do. And, um, you know, we'd have a conversation about it, but ultimately I think they trusted me. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, we had a match against um, Bo Nakoda and whoop, the Appalachian
3: Outlaws.
2: Mm-hmm. Hoss. It, it, yeah. It was, it was, we it was, had a couple. Well, there was we a, couple had a
1: couple of There were a couple of yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in and out a lot of your time yeah. here. So. Right. So we had a match coming up. We, we were heels and they were heels and they had JP as, as oh. Callahan as their manager. I was like, you know, heels versus heels. Like, what can we do to make this? I was thinking, like, go back to my WWE days of we got to make it entertaining. And so, we'll we'll play, we'll be more of the heels. They can be subtle baby faces or whatever. And and we're going to come out and do a parody, you know, like you'd see on Raw or SmackDown, where, you know, I put on a cowboy hat and tobacco in my, you know, and we came out and did this thing, like, this parody. And, Dirty and Eric were not completely sold on this idea, and I was just like, just, just "Trust me, like it'll it'll be good." And Eric, you know, is like, oh, I play guitar a little bit. Great, we're gonna I'm gonna mess up the lyrics to or change the lyrics to "Sweet Home Alabama," and it'll be you know, and, and you play it on the guitar, and and Dirty, like we'll figure out something for you to do, <laughs> and, and that's what we did, and you know, so like on well, things like that, they they trusted me, and we did a thing when we faced the Hardys. Before that we shot a video, I came up with like our version of the Broken Hardys where we imitated, it was another, it was another parody, where I was Matt Hardy and, and uh, Eric was Jeff Hardy and we we made Dirty be Senor Benjamin, right? <laughs> And we did this parody of the, the Broken Hardys and like a lot of people still like, uh, I, people have told me they see that and thought it was entertaining and all that, so they trusted me on those kind of things. I think they were more like, I don't know, I don't know, they were more traditional. I was like, just trust me, let's just do it. And they all they always did.
0: Yeah, you know that camaraderie and that trust mm-hmm. translated whenever I would come back. I remember I could gauge how big you guys got when I saw the reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, as guest ring announcer, sometimes I'd see the way that they hated you. They did. <laughs> and um but from that kind of um uh, hate that the fans had for you was there it seemed there was a lot of love between the three of you. And that leads me to my next question, is um we lost Eric Chapel here in the MCW family. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to your relationship with him in particular and what he meant to you. Sure.
1: Um, as I said, all three of us were close, but I would say that um, Eric and I were probably a little closer um, because we enjoyed doing a lot of the same things. Um, you know, he and his family loved going to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, and We loved that too, me and my family, so we would go together you know, him and his three kids and his wife and my wife and my two kids, we would do stuff like that. And, um, it it really did become, you know, there were, in the beginning, it's all just like talking about work, like the next show and the next angle and, you know, what can we do down the line? And then after a while, the the conversations were like about anything but wrestling,
3: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, it was about his family or mine or, you know, we talk politics or whatever, you know, we talk about the Ravens and the Orioles. And so it, 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 we went from, you know guys who work together that kind of like each other to like legitimate friends. Like, he was a very good friend of mine. Um, and I knew Eric had uh, he battled depression, you know, and, and I know there were times when he was really down, and you know, we would have conversations about that. Um, so when Eric did pass away, um, obviously it's a shock. But once you get past the initial shock, you're like, you know, I'm not that shocked because I know what he was battling for all those years. Um,
2: So, yeah. And um, for the sake of everybody kind of being comfortable here to get the obstacle out of the room, uh, I knew we were probably going to talk about Eric, so I reached out to his wife. um, And she's okay with us having this discussion because, um, I don't know if it's ever been talked about um, publicly, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, but um, Eric committed suicide yeah. um, and left behind a um, wife and three kids. Uh, three kids. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something that, to, to me too, I remember because um, kind of taking me back. Like, you, you actually made the call to me. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the, you know, like I remember, I remember I was on a real estate appointment and had to pull over in a parking lot. I and mean, you were, you were, you were telling me. And, um, yeah, just, you know, was, was someone like RJ who was ill and was, you know, for a while, this is something that comes totally, completely out of that field. And at that point, him and his family had moved up closer to you and your family. So you were kind of right, you know, really close to him on a personal sense.
1: Yeah. All that, that was, that was huge. You know, he lived, um, down near Delaware and then mm-hmm. yeah he had moved up close to where we are in Pennsylvania and yeah he was he was closer and that was that was another thing we were excited about. Like, you know, like we would get do these get togethers, meet in Gettysburg but he didn't live close. We would mm-hmm. still make these trips to, to see each other. And now he was gonna be you know, much closer, which we figured we'll see a lot more of each other. Um, I had just I think he I think he um, died on a Monday. The the on Friday. Before that, I actually was at his new place helping him move. I
4: remember yeah. you had said something yeah. about that. Mm-hmm.
1: So here, you know, here it is Friday. I'm helping him move, and you know, like, man, it's a new start. Like, it, it's a fresh beginning. It's a new house. They live in a new place, and you know, it, it seemed like there was so much optimism. So that was really, you know, t- two, three days later. I guess, I guess it was. I guess it might have happened Sunday night. He was found Monday morning. It's like, man, like, that, then you start thinking of,
2: like, should I have seen? Right,
1: right. So. I was just
2: with him 48 out, you know, should I have seen something? And me and you had a lot of those discussions. We did. I, I know that was weighing heavy on you and something yeah. you were personally batting, battling with. Yeah, it's yeah. like, should I have seen something? Um,
1: what, was he saying, was he, you know, was there a cry for help that I didn't see? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could I have said something? You know, just, you uh, know, a lot of guilt comes in at that point. Like, you know, what could I have done? But again, like I knew Eric had um, depression issues, you know, so like, I don't think anybody should be like, um, what I've learned in talking to people too is like, you can't beat yourself up over right. it, you know, like whether it's me or whether it's a friend or a family member, you know, ultimately nobody's in his own head except him, Yeah. you know, and, and like to this day, like I, I don't know, I don't think anybody knows like what the... I don't know what happened between Friday night and Sunday night. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody knows.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like what was it that pushed
3: him over the edge? Right. You
0: know? Yeah, it's always the uh, wondering of what could I have done, what could I have said. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, but it's almost like nowadays we can be a little bit more prepared, and we can be a little bit more prepared just by addressing mental wellness.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. we spoke Absolutely. about this last week with yeah. um, you know Leo's exit uh, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the the. T- Challenge. And, um, you know, that's uh, something we don't talk about, but we should talk about, you know. And so I'm glad that, you know, we're able to sit in a place and talk about it and, you know, share and support. Yeah.
0: And with that said, um, I, I think that at this time, we as an entire MCW Pro family would like to take a very special pause. And we have a message for anyone out there right now that feels that they're struggling and they don't have anyone to talk to.
5: Suicide is a preventable health problem and a leading cause of death in the United States. On average in 2020, 132 Americans died from suicide each day. A total of 48,344 lives were lost and 1.4 million Americans attempted to end their own lives. Of those lives lost, 90% had a diagnosable mental health condition at the time of their death. Nearly one in 12 adults report having depression, with women twice as likely to be affected as men. Help is available. If you or a loved one is in need, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day at 800 273 8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the MCW Cast. At MCW Pro Wrestling, much like many small businesses throughout the country, the pandemic has presented many challenges. For a company like ours that hosts events with live audiences, the impact has been even more severe and all of our forms of revenue have been cut off. In order to continue to engage with our fans on a regular basis, we made the decision to begin to produce the MCW cast and are providing it for absolutely no cost on Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, and SoundCloud. If you'd like to support us during these challenging times, you can do so in several ways. The most popular way is to buy us a coffee to help fuel the cast. Just go to buymeacoffee.com backslash mcwcast, and for just $3, you can buy the cast a coffee, or you can choose to become a member of the cast for just $5 a month and receive several special perks. That's buymeacoffee.com backslash mcwcast. You can also contribute directly on Cash App, MCW Wrestling, or on Venmo, mcw-wrestling. You can also show your support for the MCW cast while sporting some great gear by going to teespring.com backslash stores backslash MCW to pick up a full line of official MCW cast merchandise from coffee mugs and face coverings to t shirts and sweatshirts. Also, don't forget to comment in the threads on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch to get your questions answered on a future episode. And you can also send us a tweet using the hashtag AskMCWCast. Thank you for your support. And now, back to the show. All
2: right, and we're back. Um, With that, Kevin, want to get into, um, after all that, come back working for us. Um, You ended up where you are now, uh, which is working for Ring of Honor, such a well-rounded, you know, all all the major companies and all the things you've done in wrestling. Now you're, you know, working behind the scenes with Ring of Honor.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm really happy. Uh, I don't like to talk bad about any place I've worked or anything like that, but it's a different experience, obviously, than what I had in WWE. WWE, it was very cutthroat. You know, mm-hmm. you hear about, like, the cutthroat in the locker room, but, like, there, it was cutthroat in the writers' room. And, you know, everybody looking to, to get their stuff in, and you know. And uh, Ring of Honor, man, it's just, it's just night and day compared to that. It's such a cool – you've been in Ring of Honor. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, uh, the locker room is amazing. The talent, just the talent, and the level of talent there is amazing. Like, I'll put the roster up against any roster, just from a strictly talent standpoint. But then the camaraderie, and I know like people don't think it's real or whatever, like that, but it's like when you hear, like, oh, it's a family. This is the first time I've ever really seen something like that, that it's not hyperbole. It's not yeah. it's, like it really is. Like, everybody is on Team ROH. And what can we do to make the show better and we want you to succeed and you to succeed and if you succeed I succeed mm-hmm. and that's what it is and um like I just love being a part of it like it's a smaller company obviously so I feel like somebody like like I can make more of a difference there right. whether it's pitching an idea like a creative idea or writing for the website or doing the podcast like you can you could do as much as you want to do like and you take ownership of it and
2: they trust you to, to do it yeah and, and when you when you have passion about something, the way we're all passionate about professional wrestling, um, obviously you need money to make a living, but a lot of, but it really is the money isn't everything, you know, the money isn't everything. And like you said, making a difference. That's where for me, um, I'm so comfortable in my skin. I mean, I have people, people outside of wrestling that, Hey Dan, have you ever wished like you'd go work for WWE? like, no, that like for me, where I'm at, I, what I always say is where, where my rung on the ladder is, when I look at all the people that I've helped mm-hmm. come up that ladder and get to start, i like, that's where my spot is. And I have a, you know what I mean? There's a level of satisfaction that I get um, just being that rung on the ladder to help people up. So I know exactly what you mean, like making a difference and actually feeling like you have major contribution and you're not just like someone there taking a paycheck.
1: Exactly, and you know, you mentioned the money thing, and it's it's like I know we talked about money earlier with the WWE job. Um, obviously, I'm not making as much money in Ring of Honor, you know, but but just I'm so much happier there, and just from a um, a morale standpoint, mm. and and like you know, you hear the stories in WWE, you know, walking on eggshells, and you know, what's the old man? What's you know, his mood going to be like today, and who's going to get yelled at for what crazy reason? and like you you live that for 3 years and then once you don't live it anymore you're like man I'm glad I, I'm glad that's not part of my life anymore
0: absolutely Kevin I can <laughs> empathize I felt like I was walking on eggshells as an extra
3: right you know right. and I
0: mean I wasn't even hired I was just there you know getting right. an opportunity but still I wanted to you know walk make sure that I'm not showing the door here uh <laughs> right. quickly you know so I'm with and, that
1: and so you can't put a price on it right like right. we all want to make as much money as we can to help our fa- you know support our families and, and all that stuff but like you can make enough money and but if you have a great work environment, and all, like it's 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 worth more to you in the long run, just for your overall happiness yeah. and quality of life, than if you're making you know double that or triple whatever you know what I mean. So that's that's where I'm at. Like I just I love working for Ring of Honor. Um, I, I was I was worried there for a few for a few months when we were on hiatus because we weren't doing shows because of the pandemic. We had shut down completely, mm-hmm. and um, not nervous in the sense that I, like I thought we were, I was going to lose my job or anything because Ring of Honor. They basically said from day one, no one's losing their job in this. You know, other companies laid people off, mm-hmm. you know. um yeah, was
0: the first ones. Exactly. Ring yeah. of
1: Honor said. Lots of layoffs. Ring of Honor <laughs> said, we're going to com- continue to pay every employee in the office, every uh, independent contractor, every talent, and, and you know, including people that were like, you know, like Joe Hendry, who's sitting over in Scotland, who hasn't been able to travel.
3: Wow. He
1: hasn't wrestled a, on a Ring of Honor show since February, almost yeah. a year. He hasn't missed a paycheck.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So That's I
1: great. just, I, I can't say enough uh, about Ring of Honor. And and how much give props to
2: about. their, their um, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting, who owns, um, you know, Ring of Honor. And luckily they're in the position to do that, which is yeah. great for Sinclair. And you know, the other thing is is when, when we decided to start doing shows again, I mean, we didn't do any
1: shows for five months, six months. And uh, Joe Koff, you know, COO of, of um, Ring of Honor was very clear, like, we're not going to do this again until we can do it safely. So... Ring of Honor worked with the Maryland State Athletic Commission, came up with these very, 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 it's three very, stringent protocols where talent and everybody that's going to be at the show has to be tested like three times before they come in there. Everybody, You know, you have to wear a mask when you're backstage. And
0: you have to be in a bubble. You have in to be in,
1: as I was getting to, you have to be sequestered basically. You're in a bubble in your hotel room for like that's the length
2: of, that they've gone to just so we can do the show. So that- and I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I wanted you to talk about. Like last week I was, because I get messages from people on Facebook like how come Ring of Honor is taping for television like in Maryland but MCW isn't doing shows. And I, I kind of tried to break it down last week and explain from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. For you guys who have national television, you know, television stations, how many stations does Sinclair does Ring of Honor on? Yeah, you know? I don't
1: know the exact number, but yeah, the That's stations a all, all, markets, over, the country. Markets over 100 the, stations. Yeah,
2: markets all over the country. All over the country, like, you needed that content. We don't, we're an independent mm-hmm. promotion, we don't have national television. The extensive, the, 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 the amount of what you guys do, what Ring of Honor does, is really amazing. Um... And so it's just not in our budget. It doesn't make financial sense. But for you guys, it's you know, like like Larry was saying, it's there's it's a bubble, like basically a hotel. out, so, You know, after they do their two week testing, right? Then they come in, they do three. Then they're in like a bubble in a hotel for three days. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's, a, yeah, it's
1: like five. And days. then tested the day of. Tested again the day of. They
2: have taping. So and
1: the, and the ring crew changes the, the mat and everything yeah. after every match.
2: you're right. Right.
1: So it really is. It's it's unbelievable. I don't I don't think any other company is doing anything like that. No, as far as I, know. I yeah. can
0: I can certainly tell you in that twenty four <laughs> hour telethon. They weren't changing the canvas. I'm <laughs> 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 different competitors fighting, but you know it is what it is. Uh yeah, absolutely, Dan. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head. the The cost, the the tremendous cost during this day and age to make the this athletic happen.
2: commission tens of thousands of dollars for every taping tens of thousands of dollars for Ring of Honor they spend in order to keep their talent and to, to go over, and they're not just following, say, CDC guidelines and protocol, they're going above and beyond, mm-hmm. you know. They so, set the standard, Really, right? Yeah, they yeah. definitely mm-hmm.
0: do. A hell of a company to work for, and, um, you know, that leads me to something that I want to call out right now. Of course, like you mentioned, Kevin, I, I was a member of the ROH uh, management team and a performer for Ring of Honor that time has passed, but really, really, Just warmed me to the core that ring of honor when we recently here in the MCW pro family Mm -hmm. lost, you know, our core um, when they acknowledged the passing of RJ Myers, the Bruiser, our friend. uh, They didn't have to do that. um, And uh, I just, yeah. I really can't talk about it too much, but, you know, I just want to call, you know, the entire St. Clair broadcast group and ring of honor management for just doing the right thing by someone that was so instrumental to Maryland wrestling.
2: Yeah. And, and they gave RJ that, that like national attention.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and they did it multiple times, even through, um, not just acknowledging it through their the website and when he passed but, sure. um, and Twitter, but also, um, you know, a lot of our guys there, we have a great relationship with mm-hmm. ROH, um, the soldiers of savagery, mm-hmm. and, um, Dante Caviero, Ken Dixon, and, and Joe Keys. And Joe Keyes is getting a little push on television. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they they uh, they let him, they acknowledged R.J.'s passing, and, and he did a, a really emotional promo. Um, that was <coughs> excuse me, a little tough to watch. Yeah, um, well, he was
4: choked you know, up watching. during the promo. You know, he
2: was,
1: choked know? Choked he was really he choked
4: was, up. You so, can see yeah, how much he meant to him. When,
1: when R.J. passed, um, I did reach out to. Uh, to the people at Ring of Honor and just said, because uh, I didn't know what the answer was gonna be, because he wasn't really a part of of Honor, but I said, you know, uh, would it be appropriate if we could write up, you know, whenever a wrestler passes away, even if they're not really in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. but they've reached a certain mm-hmm. standing in the business, sure. you do the courtesy of, you know, we mourn the passing of, um, and I said, you know, would it be appropriate to, to do something like this, you know, for RJ, because we are, MCW is an affiliate of Ring of Honor. He's trained some guys that are here. Mm-hmm. And the answer was absolutely. Yeah. Go right. ahead. Write it up. And, and, and so I did. I wrote it and, and we put it on there. Um, you know, uh, I host the ROH podcast, ROH Strong Podcast. And we had uh, Soldiers of Savagery on there. And we did a segment where we talked about, you know, what RJ meant to them and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, where, how much he helped them get to where they are in Ring of Honor. And, and yeah, you mentioned again, Joe Keyes. Um, talked about him before his match with Jonathan Jonathan Russian. So certainly, you know, RJ was never in Ring of Honor, but his presence is certainly being felt in Ring of Honor, and right. will be felt in Ring of Honor for years to come. Right.
0: That's a that's an amazing uh, thing for us to know. Um, for us to feel as, um, more and more of RJ's kids, your kids, Dan, my grandkids, your grandkids, right? <laughs> our, our, our nieces and nephews, Tara, you know,
4: our actual kids appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're not ready for all of this yet, but one day they're going to come back and be yeah. like, Holy crap. My dad did all this stuff, you know? So I thank you for that. And, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a them. permanent mm-hmm.
2: kind of legacy, put out there online that, that, uh, that your kids mm-hmm. um, Tara will be able to look back on and really appreciate it years down and even show their kids mm-hmm. pull it up on the internet and all the stuff that was written about and you know, videos and mm-hmm. fans comments something they'll be able to look back you know years from now and be city so yeah
0: absolutely and you know what that that leads us right into um, every single week one of my favorite parts of uh, the MCW cast is when Phil Stamper, general manager of MCW Pro fills us in. Um, So with that said, let's kick it to the Indie Roundup. I wanna hear more about the big 24 hour telethon. I know our fans do, Leo Rush is showing in that. So Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and kick it on over to Phil so he can fill us in.
6: Hey everyone, my name is Phil Stamper, and it's time again for the Independent Wrestling Roundup. have plenty of news about action coming your way. Now, some things I've shared with you before about independent wrestling companies doing different uh, ways to film footage, to put out brand new content. One of the ways they're doing that is through the variety of different streaming opportunities that are out there. Now, one of the ways that that exists is through a company called IWTV. You can check them out at IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. They even have their own app, IWTV. And this week they have brand new episodes already in the can for you from Interspecies Wrestling out of Canada, Flophouse in Indiana, New South Action Clash in Alabama, Heavy Metal Wrestling out of Texas. This Wednesday, brand new episode from Limitless' The Road out of Maine, C4 from Canada, and New Texas Pro Wrestling join them on Thursday. And then Sean Henderson's Weekend at Sean's. This Friday and Saturday on IWTV as well as on Sunday, Violence X Suffering out of New Jersey. So plenty of action over on IWTV. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Fight. So Fight.tv also showcases a number of promotions from around the world. Of course, New Japan footage is there. Um, Different uh, We've seen Impact Wrestling's pay-per-views are also featured through Fight. This week, they have a brand new episode of Wrestlebration. Um, it's a celebration of independent British wrestling. They have a brand new episode this Wednesday. And then Devotion Championship Wrestling on Thursday, a brand new episode. And now many of these episodes are being filmed without fans, so there's not going to be open-door events. So don't please don't try to rush your way to New Jersey to go see Violent X Suffering on this Sunday because it's a closed-door venue event, so no fans allowed. It's just straight action coming your way through these different platforms. Now plenty of other action is going to take place, And there will be fans at many of these events. So make sure if you're interested in any of them that you're visiting their sites before you go. Many of them have different kinds of restrictions um, that you need to comply with. For example, you have to wear masks. There's going to be physical distancing um, that you have to order your tickets in advance. It just depends a little bit on what some of their jurisdictions are doing. Um, For the most part, many of them are complying with, with these kinds of rules and regulations. Now, I also advocate before you go to check out their websites. The reason for that is sometimes as jurisdictions change course and go, well, we can't have your event, That they might have to unfortunately postpone last second. So please, 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 before you go, check out these events, uh, their event websites. So this coming Thursday, WWA4 out of Atlanta, Georgia, United Wrestling Oklahoma in Oklahoma City, um, 127 Pro Wrestling with their weekly event this Thursday in Grimesley, Tennessee. Then on a Friday, we have Pro South Wrestling in Alabama, Pro Wrestling All-Stars of Detroit in Brownstone, Michigan. It's right outside Detroit. Trust me, it's Pro Wrestling All-Stars of Detroit. It's right next door. Uh, I already mentioned Weekend at Sean's Hardcore Hustle organization is providing that. That is this Friday. Um, Unified Wrestling Oklahoma returns again for action on Friday in Oklahoma City. Resolute Wrestling in Tennessee. Texoma Pro Wrestling at a Sherman Texas all action this Friday. Then on Saturday, we have action from Victory Championship Wrestling in Alabama. Revolutionary Wrestling Entertainment in Arkansas. Uh, WWN presents American Combat Wrestling ACW out of Port Ritchie, Florida, Renegade Championship Wrestling in Georgia, Georgia World Class Wrestling in Cornelia, Georgia, Elevate Pro Wrestling in, uh, oops, it looks like that just left the side of my screen, uh, Perkinston, Mississippi, American Lucha Wrestling comes to Burlington, North Carolina, Uprise Pro Wrestling in Lincolnton, North Carolina, Tennessee Wrestling Alliance out of Pikeville, Tennessee, Total Psychopathic Wrestling out of Maryville, Tennessee, Metroplex Metroplex Wrestling out of Bedford, Tennessee, Mission Pro out of Buda, Tennessee, SWE Fury out of Irving, Texas. Superstar Pro Wrestling out of the United Kingdom. Still action coming out of the United Kingdom um, on a limited basis. No fans able to attend those events live. And then Frontline Pro out of Luxembourg, Wisconsin, also taking place this coming Saturday. And then on Sunday, uh, we have School of Morton. Now, School of Morton is one of those companies' weekly event, also airing their events live on Facebook. So you can check them out at 5.05 p.m. every Sunday. School of Morton out of Chucky, Tennessee. And then Premier Wrestling League Mid-Atlantic out of Bluefield, West Virginia, this coming Saturday. So lots of action for you to look forward to on the independents. I hope you get an opportunity to check out some of this footage. It's amazing to watch what people are able to put together and trying to push the envelope creatively while we're in our current situation. Uh, Of course... Big snowstorm just hit the Mid-Atlantic region, but that didn't stop a lot of companies from being able to put together footage for you. So go make sure that you're checking them out. Check out all of these companies and their websites. I'm sure that they would appreciate some of your traffic if you go check them out. My name is Philip Stamper, and this has been this week's Independent Wrestling Roundup.
4: All right, thanks for that, Phil, for filling us in on that's the Indie right. Roundup. I know you enjoy that part there, Larry. I so, like, it awesome. <laughs> so, and you know what, I, I just have to say, I think it's so great that we have Phil Samper, not just as our general manager here at NCW, but that he stays on top of all of these things that uh, can inform our fans and, you know, just wrestling fans in general, and that he really has got his thumb on the pulse of Indie Wrestling. And I think that's great that he's able to contribute that every week for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, like I said, at a, even at a time like this where not every state's running and it's, it's right. kind of, you know, you don't know who's running, what promotion's running, um, you know. So, I yeah, I, I personally love listening to Phil to kind of find out. He kind of lets me know who's opening up and who's getting closer to opening up and who's getting closer to what shows again. So Yeah, he's I'll like, a,
0: show. Cole Cabana's the ambassador of pro wrestling. Well, Phil's the vice president. Yeah, okay,
4: His <laughs> <laughs> unofficial job title. Indeed. All, All right. right.
0: Well,
5: well
2: um, yeah, this kind of wraps it up, right? right. I, I, think so. I think so. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, yep. Terry, did you want to talk about that I new do. piece of yeah, fashion great, you got that on there? New fashion I, like <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs>
4: I have a new fashion accessory here. It's the MCW Cast official face mask. Um, if you'd like to have one of your own or any of our other MCW Cast merchandise, you can of course check us out at Teespring.com. Lots of different. Um, Apparel accessories that you can order for yourself there. Just go to Teespring and search up MCW Cast, and it'll take you right there. And you can have one too. That's right. And don't forget to ask
0: us any, any burning questions yeah. that you have out there. I'm surprised we're at episode three. I haven't gotten really one question just yet for Ask, hashtag asked MCW Cast.
4: And I want to throw this out there, and I will completely uh, put myself out. I just have gotten familiar with Twitter. So okay. I've put it off for a long time. So I would like to uh, interact and hear from some of our fans. So you can send me a direct question or you could just send one to the cast, but I will read all of them and we will reply to them. And I really want you to help me to learn how to use Twitter. So um, uh, ask MCW cast, hashtag ask MCW cast, and we will respond to those next week.
2: And also we realize um, a lot of people just have their Social media um, communication of choice, so to speak. Um, sure. Yeah. Facebook gets a ton of activity. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, a lot of people watch on Facebook, even mm-hmm. though they can watch on Twitch and YouTube. So, if you're not a Twitter person, you can also we'll, we'll go through the threads of the video if you post like hashtag what, yeah below yeah. the stream mm-hmm. right now, and uh, or just post your questions if you want to. You can just post them um in in the comments section Mm -hmm. of the facebook video and um we'll we'll also read your questions just because you may not be a twitter person
3: right so if you want to post them
2: and uh hey while you're there posting a question in the under the stream make sure you share oh yeah share the stream
0: share it get the word out there we've had three great guests but Mm -hmm. you know if you want to ask mcw cast who are some of the next upcoming guests going to be Maybe we'll reveal some of our guests. Or if you have
4: a suggestion for a guest that you would like to see featured here on the MCW cast, we are open to suggestions and we want to deliver content that you want. So let us know.
2: That's a great call out. And and Kevin, thanks so much um, for coming in. I I thought Mm -hmm. um, it was a great conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. There was a lot, you know, going through, you know, we've known each other 20 some years and there was, you know, things I learned about you and and things I had forgotten about them. I thought it was a great conversation.
0: I agree. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us this week.
1: Hey, yep. thanks, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I got to talk about my favorite subject myself this week. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like
3: to
1: come back any so, The, con- like, the, 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 the consummate deal.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <right>. cons- <laughs>
4: deal. Well, what so. I loved hearing about this week in particular was that how so many things overlap in wrestling. You know, I mean, when we were sharing like the Kevin Dunn stories mm-hmm. or the WWE stories as being yeah. extras and, you know, just how we're all connected and how we're all related. And we don't even realize sometimes how we overlap in this world makes you yeah. think that our family is a lot bigger than just the three letters
0: that kind right. of bind us. We're not right. just ROH. We're not just MCW Pro. We're one big whole community. Yeah. The GCW community. The ICW community. It's, a, it's family. Right. Absolutely. And with that said, family, we'll see you next week for yeah. another exciting edition okay. of the MCW Cast.
6: Watch hundreds of hours of MCW Pro Wrestling action at MCWRageTV.com. That's MCWRageTV.com.